Previously on Cast in Wax. Well, I am gay married now and have lots of rough gay sex with my husband, unfortunately. Okay, Nathan, I loved you once. That's over now. You're literally my least favorite person on Earth. Yes, Rory Sinjin is dead, but I am his identical cousin, Reggie Sinclair. I went on vacation within a few months, which surprisingly became the setting of another episode of Kentwood. My name is Rory Edison, genetically created by Thomas Alva Edison from the DNA of Frank Allen and Rory Sinjin's mother to house the essence of Rory Sinjin and become Rory Sinjin, but with a few of his ideas tweaked. So I don't believe in extra history. And that's why I've decided tomorrow we're doing another issue of the paper. Reporters, you're all doing the same job as yesterday. Oh, um, yeah, hi. My name is, uh, Scapey. Just a man with his will to survive It's the eye of the tiger It's the thrill of the fight Rising up to the challenge of our rivals And the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night And he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger Hey everybody, it's Jordan D. White here, and I just wanted to play that song to get myself pumped up, because I had a disappointment today. What happened was I recorded a bunch of stuff, and a technical difficulty meant I lost it all. I lost all of it. So, you will never, ever, you will never hear it. It will never be heard, because I lost it, and it's, I was very disappointed, and that frustrated me, and it made me want to call off the entire podcast. But everybody rallied, 
everybody, I mean, we've got a, a, quite a crowd here. It's getting quite, kind of hot. But Scape told me to go on. Yeah, Dad, you could do it. Frank told me to go on. Yeah. You know, Jordan, you just got to keep going. Rory told me to go on. Yes, absolutely. You just have to make sure that you keep going and persevere no matter what. And, uh, and Reggie told me I can do it. Absolutely. And I do believe that you can do it. So don't give up. So, uh, so I did. And, 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 and I'm rising up to the challenge of our uh, rivals. And the last note survivor stalks his prey in the night And is watching us all through the eye Actually, that's that's wrong. I keep saying that. I keep saying, and he's watching us all through the eye But it's actually, he's watching us all with the eye With the eye, not through the eye. Through the eye of the tiger is there's a painting of a tiger on the wall in the creepy old mansion, and what we don't realize is that the last known survivor is behind the wall, and he's watching us all through the eye of the tiger, and the eye of the tiger is moving around. It's like a, like an old cartoon. That's what I'm singing about. The real song singing about that he's got the tiger's eye in his eye. Like, he's cut out his own eye, he's popped it in. Surgery. This had to be surgery. I'm not talking about, well, it's two possibilities. Either he had really expensive, important surgery to replace his eye with a tiger's eye, or... The last known survival survivor is a, t- a tiger, which I guess is a little bit simpler of an explanation. Yeah, Dad. Uh, somebody once told me, whatever is, if, if there's an impossible solution, that has to be it. No, I, <laughs> I think you got that one wrong, Scape. I think it's when you rule out the impossible, whatever's left is, no matter how I- improbable, is likely. No, no, I feel, I'm pretty sure he was like. Doesn't matter if it's impossible; it has to be the truth. Well, <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't know what you're referring to. Anyway, um, so everybody, hopefully you enjoyed that little, uh, uh, you know, thing. Okay, I'm going to put the ukulele away now. It's probably for the best. What? What? Why do you say that? Well, because we have a lot of show to cover, you know. So it's good to actually. Get past the ukulele into the into the the actual talking of the show. I yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, um, let's see. So we've got all these people here. Like I said, there's five hosts: uh, myself, Jordan D. White, Mr. Scape White, Mr. Frank Allen, Mr. I'm, I'm Royce. sorry, I'm afraid you'll find that this gentleman's name is actually Frank Sinjin. Yeah. Okay. Look, my name is legally, but this is not a legal document. The show is not a legal document. We've discussed legal documents on this show, but this show itself is not a legal document, so I can go by my stage name of Frank Allen, which is the name I've been known by the whole time. Right. Okay, so as I was saying, myself, Jordan D. White, Mr. Scape White, Mr. Frank Allen, Mr. Rory Edison, and Mr. Reggie Sinclair. Yes, hello. All right, so um, with that many... I mean, I feel like that's too many to to deal with. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I mean, I mean, we can't have five people talking at once. Like, it's 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 chaos. That's exactly what I was talking about. It's it's unmanageable. It's unmanageable. Thankfully, I have a solution. Uh, I have here uh, some dice. We, we've done stuff like this before. What I'm going to say is, uh, we're all going to roll dice, and the two. Highest rolling people get to be the talking people for the ne- next section of the show. Well, no, hold on. I, I mean, what, what, what if somebody gets disclu- excluded or, you know, uh, left out? It's understandable that you'd be concerned about that, but I'm not concerned because I have incredibly great skills at rolling dice, and I think I'll be able to roll all sixes. No, there's no, nobody's going to be, no, there's no dice rolling skill. We're just going to each, in fact, you know what? We've got five different colored dice. I'm going to roll the dice. We're going to say this red one is for you, Scape. This one is for me. This one is Frank. This one is Rory. This one is Reggie, okay? Well, I, I suppose that's fair. All right. Um, so for this first section, let's see. Looks like, okay, we've got a three-way tie here. And that's between 
me, Frank, and uh, Reggie. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, thank you very much. So, what should we do, Jordan? What, what are we discussing? What are we, what, what are we building up to here? Well, I imagine we're going to do some some uh, 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 audience letters, right? Well, yeah, Frank, we'll, we'll get to that. But first, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on in everybody's lives. I mean, I know that that's a little unfair with uh, Scape and, and uh, Rory unable to talk right now, but hopefully they'll be back in a minute. Um, let's start with you, Frank. What has been new in your life? Uh, your, your marriage? Uh, how's it been going? Ah, uh, hmm. All right. Well, look. Um, remember last episode when I didn't want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It was. It was. No. Oh, so you you still don't? No, not really. Well, you're going to have no choice uh, because we do have a bunch of letters about your marriage. Um, in fact, Reggie, can you read this one to to Frank? Uh, this one right here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Frank, I'm sorry, but I don't think that Diogenes is off the hook for lying to you. I know you claim he is definitely gay. And though you won't back it up, pun intended, I'll go with you on that. But his behavior and all the evidence I outlined for you in my last email still point to Diogenes lying. And what do we know about him so far? We know that he's old, gay, rich, and dying. So it's probably one of those things that he's lying about, which means either, number one, he is not old, but has some kind of disease that makes you look old. Two, he was lying about being gay in the beginning, but Thomas Alva Edison went back in time to a moment right after your marriage and turned him actually gay. Three, he is not really rich, though I'm not sure what the alternative is. He's obviously paying for expensive things, including a pink sapphire engagement ring for you. By the way, you probably could have just sold that and had all the money you wanted without having to go through the marriage. So if he's not rich, I guess a lot of people owe him a lot of favors. Four, he's not actually dying, which... Actually fits all the evidence surprisingly well, but one would have to be incredibly messed up to lie about that, right? So, anyway, all I'm saying is, he's definitely lying about something. Maybe you can use your investigative reporting skills to uncover just what it is. Yours, Artemis Long. Well, look, Artemis, I, I mean, no, this is stupid. Uh, I mean, let's go through them. Fine, let's go through them one by one. Uh, number one, he's not old, but has some sort of disease that makes you look old. Well, Reggie, you're related to him. What's the, what's the scoop? Is he really old? Oh, well, I, I mean, yes, he, he's, He's definitely older than I am. He's been alive much longer than me. I, I, I've heard tell of stories of him being around quite a few years ago. So as far as I can tell, all evidence points to him be actually being an old gentleman. Okay, so there's that. Um, you know, the second one about lying about being gay. Yeah, Thomas Alva Edison did say he went back in time and made sure he wanted to have gay sex with me. Rough gay sex. But he didn't say he went back and made him gay, I don't think. Um, and I don't think you can make someone gay. I I, I think, uh, you know, uh, that, that makes you sound sort of like a homophobe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, hold on. All right. Well, we'll make a special exception. Um, 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 Frank, Rory wants to comment on this. Can I let him? He's been commenting the whole time. No, that's that's Reggie. I'm talking about Rory. Oh, uh, oh. Yeah, I guess. Thank you very much, Frank. Uh, no, I, I will say, as I am Thomas Alva Edison's son, I do know that he does have ways of making people gay. It's not a homophobic thing, but he has not used them in this case. He did go back in time and, through the introductions of certain things into Diogenes' life as a youngster, make sure that he likes rough sex. That is what he did. But Diogenes was gay the entire time, and Thomas had nothing to do with that. Thomas just, like I said, just made absolutely certain that every time Diogenes has sex, he wants it to be painful in some way to either himself or his partner. Excellent. Thank you for that. Rory, okay, you can go back to not talking now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's number two. Number three, he's not really rich. He's rich. He's super rich, and I mean rich. Like, remember when Rory was alive and uh, and he and he was rich? Well, I, I am. I am alive. No, I mean Rory. Okay, 
I mean, Rory Sinjin. Remember when Rory Sinjin was alive and he was like, we were like, oh man, he's so rich. And he was like, yeah, money's all that matters. This guy has so much more money than Rory. He could buy and sell Rory 50 times over and then buy more of us 50 times over on the side. Like he is super rich. Gosh almighty, he's rich. And yeah, I could sell my engagement ring, but you know, it's kind of got a sentimental thing at this point. So I don't know if I want to. Well, I, my point is he's not rich. I mean, he is rich. He's not lying about being rich, so I don't know what you're talking about. And as for your fourth one, as for him lying about dying, that doesn't... What? Well, I mean, I was... I was... Well, I'm, I was going to say... I was going to say that doesn't make any sense, but it's... The more I think about it, the more I think it's a sort of... A, a sort of it, do, it sort of does make sense. What do you mean? I'm. I mean. Hold on. Hold on a. Hold on a second, guys. Hold on a second. I just need to think. Um. Well, I mean, Frank. I, I mean, come on. Like, like Artemis said, it would be really screwed up to lie about. That. Yes, I'm sure. You know, that's beyond the pale. No, who would lie about something as serious as you know their own mortality? Just guys. Just hold. Just, just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Just hear me out for a second. Okay. This guy is a gay gentleman. He wants to have rough gay sex. He said many times that he finds me particularly attractive. He's not the only one. Rory's mother said the same thing. Yes, and we're very thankful that she did feel that way because it made it much easier for us to engage in the transaction wherein she became my mother and you became my father. Genetically speaking, of course. Yes, yeah, okay, 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 we got that. But my point is, people are attracted to me. He's attracted to me. <sighs> And I'm attracted, and by attracted, I don't mean sexually, but I mean, you know, moth to a flame attracted to money and having it. And so he says to me, yeah, yeah, I have lots of money. True. I'm an old man. True. I'm gay. Want to have gay sex with you. True. And I'm dying. Which means, if true, you only will have to have gay sex with me for a brief period of time before I pass on to the next world, leaving all of my vast amounts of money to you. Right, and then that's what happened. Right. But if it was a lie, just just bear with me. No, just, no, I'm sure. Guys, just bear with me. All right. Rory, Rory, Rory. What can I help you with? I'm, no, <sighs> sorry. Reggie is what I meant to say. Reggie. Oh, yes. What? Yes. Let me ask you a question. In another world where, where he does lie to me, wouldn't it look the same? I mean, wouldn't it be the same world to all eyes where he just is saying that he's dying but there's no evidence of him dying because he's not dying well, there was, but there was a doctor who said he was well, lying yes and there was another doctor that said doctor lies oh, right and trust me since i have been with him marriage wise marriage wise marriage wise he has shown no sign of being infirm in any way he's always been very firm that's not what i meant but i'm, I'm but yes but that's not what i meant i mean he has shown no evidence that he is weak or sick or ill or or, or, or in a bad way, even. Uh, he is... Oh, my God. He's been lying to me and using me for sex. I feel so dirty. Well, wait. Weren't you having sex with him for money? Yeah, but that's for money. This is for nothing. This is for lies. This is just disgusting filth on my body for no good reason. I get nothing out of this. Why did he, I do this? Why? Well, you thought you were going to be getting a lot of money. But I'm not. 
but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting the money now. I'm not getting the money. He's not gonna die. He's not. He's not dying. Guys, he's not dying. 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 Frank, Frank, Frank. Uh, you know, dying. I'm sure. I'm dying. sure there's. He's I'm sure dying. this is a misunderstanding. What is there to misunderstand? He's not dying, Jordan. He's not dying. He's been having sex with me. With the imp- wait a minute, he has been having sex with me. With the implicit understanding that I was going to be getting money. Well, sure, but you can't make that argument. I mean, that would make you into a prostitute, and prostitution is not legal. No. Okay, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. But I did enter into a legal contract with him. I entered into a marriage contract with him, and I only agreed to go into that contract because I was told flat out that this gentleman was dying. Now, if... I can prove, if we can prove that he is not dying and knows this fact, then we can prove that he misrepresented his his own intentions and self and state of health. And that, my friends, that would be committing fraud in your marriage documents. What? That would be committing fraud because I only entered into the marriage contract with the understanding that the other person entering into it with me would be dying shortly thereafter. I would never have done that if I actually thought I had to abide by it for, you know, the rest of my life. Uh, I only wanted to abide by it by the rest of his life, which I was led to understand, not through inference, but through flat out stating he was dying. This is what I was told both by him and by medical professionals. And if that was a lie, that is fraud, ladies and gentlemen, that is fraud. And I am owed what is owed me, what was promised me, which is a huge amount of money. So I think I need to be contacting my lawyer. All right. Um, sure. That's... That's a possible thing. Maybe that could work. Oh, it's going to work. It's going to work. My lawyer is very good. Remember, you you faced him. Yeah, but I, I mean, I kind of won. Like, it, it was sort of a draw. Uh, he's a good lawyer. I trust him. Uh, well, I, you know, actually, we did get a, 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 a letter from your lawyer. Um, Dear Mr. Allen, as your lawyer, I feel that you should know there are forces at work trying to claim your right to your inheritance after the death of your husband. Relatives of Diogenes have come out of the woodwork, and they may make some legal claims. Please get in touch with me immediately. Matthew Roma, lawyer. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, my inheritance is in jeopardy, not because of relatives. I mean, I'm sure that's not an issue. The problem, of course, being that Diogenes is not dying. That is the problem. Diogenes is not dying. And if he's not dying, I'm not going to get my... Okay, you know what, guys? Thank you for having me on the podcast, and I will be back next week, but I have to go. I have to go get in touch with my lawyer right now. This is too important to wait on. What, Frank, no, uh, we're in the middle of this. Yeah, Jordan, come on. Come on. You expect me to just sit here while my husband does not rot away that he, while he's sitting there not dying at all? How am I supposed to live just sitting here knowing that he's fine? Well, <laughs> when you put it that way, I guess, yeah, go. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I have to go right now. Thank you for, for this. Thank you, Reggie, for helping me see the truth. I didn't actually write the letter. I just read it. Uh, okay, fine. Artemis, thank you for, for that. And I am going to leave and... I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I, I'm gonna put an end to this. I'm gonna call Matthew right now. Okay, I gotta go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, okay, okay. Um, we'll see you next next week, Frank. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're down one uh, Sinjin. Well, but he calls himself Frank Allen. Right. I know. I was just making a joke. Um, 
Thank you, for everybody. Okay, uh, you know what? Let's now that we've read a couple of letters, let's get right into our our serials. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to listen to this episode, so uh, here's an episode of Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten. Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten by Pete Bowers and Charles Berman. Episode 12, Training Terrorizes Nathan Van Etten. There are some people in this world worth talking about, and then there's Nathan Van Etten. What a waste of space and breath. Fair to say, he'll never achieve anything worthwhile. He just about ruins everything he comes into contact with. What a sniveling, ignorant, self-aggrandizing, intolerable piece of shit. Um... Voice? What the hell do you want? Who is this other Nathan Van Etten you're talking about? I would love to meet my inferior self. Ooh, just like on Star Trek! See how he assumes he can't be the sibling, ignorant, self-aggrandizing, tolerable piece of shit? That's what makes him such a piece of shit. It's you, moron! I'm talking about you. Which is almost as much of a waste of time as talking to you. Oh yeah? Well, you smell like peanut butter and salami! I'm in your head, you prick. You're the one that smells like that. It's one of your favorite sandwiches. See? You took the time to get to know me. Now, say something about what I'm doing today! No. Come on! You mean besides making me want to commit hate crimes against you? Yes. Nathan Van Etten is sponging off the hospitality of his oblivious father by living in his house while contributing nothing to it, needlessly further victimizing his traumatized ex-girlfriend by harassing her while she stays here after her house burned down and generally making everyone he meets want to kill him. That's not true! Her house fell down in an earthquake! Nathan, you don't have to keep talking to yourself about it like it was something good. My parents have renounced me. Everything I own has been destroyed. I'm just here trying to build some semblance of a life. It's only natural, Jane. That was the watershed moment when I finally got you out of my life. And into my house. Nathan, I'm not even going to... Oh my god. What is that horrible smell? Peanut butter and salami. The voice in my head smells like it. Great for sandwiches, but P.U. No, I'm used to that smell by now. I spent months trying to reduce it to make a perfume to attract you. This smells more like... dog That would not make a good sandwich. Thanks for the recipe tip, Nathan. No, something around here smells like... It is dog Oh yeah, that's from Scoob, my dog. He's a dog, so he makes that all the time. He's pretty good at it. He was over there earlier, going to the bathroom on your shoes. Oh my god, you f***ing cocksucker. I only had two pairs of shoes after my house fell down. You ruined one pair making your Fremen costume, and now the other is covered in dog shit. What the hell am I supposed to do, you motherfucker? I don't know. Clean them off? Not keep them on the floor like a crazy person? Right in the same house where Scoob lives? Mr. Van Etten, would you come down and do something about your son so that I don't immediately murder him? In a moment, Jane. I'm rather busy cleaning the accumulation of dog excrement off my priceless collection of Shona Ancestor Spirit Wood Carvings. 
Okay then, murdering your son it is. Ah! Ah! Voice! Somebody! Somebody help me! Scoop sicker! Oh god, not me! Ow! Ow! Actually, no. That would get me arrested, and you're not worth getting arrested over. I'll come up with a better way. And when is the last time you walked that dog? <sighs> Thank you, merciful, horrible, crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, the last time I did what? Walked your dog. Did what to my dog? Sorry I was late, Jane. I subsequently discovered that my collection of quarter-scale terracotta warriors had also been defecated upon by a canine. Have you killed my son? No. I'm already disappointed in myself. Understandable. I'm close to disappointed myself, Jane. But since I have sworn to protect him like a proper son, I am glad. Nathaniel. When was the last time you walked this dog? What are you two talking about? Look at him! He's walking all over the living room! Nathaniel, I just opened the door. You will go out it with your dog. You will walk around for some time. The dog will defecate upon God's earth, rather than my world-class collection of artifacts. Or my few remaining possessions. You will not return to this house until the dog is guaranteed never to relieve himself, but when you have taken him so outside. This will probably require the professional assistance of obedience school trainers. But, but Dad, how will I get to an obedience trainer? What am I supposed to do now that I've been thrown out? I feel like homeless Todd! The obedience school is one and one half blocks away. I will not be driving you. I have almost 40% confidence in your ability to confront any obstacles you meet on the way. You will walk there, with the dog. This, by the way, is known as walking the dog. I'm surrounded by crazy people! Well, that's a pretty good example of what a colossal moron Nathan Van Etten is. Wow, could you maybe talk a little more specifically about today or something? To help me, you know, know what just happened there? Fine. Nathan Van Etten is an ugly, stupid, worthless, inconsiderate, irritating man-child today! I think I learned a lesson, voice. Wow, finally? Yeah, I learned that you're a pr and you should never just leave your shoes out in the hall. Speaking of which, I wish I had some shoes. Maybe you will be wearing some shoes the next time you hear another lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten. In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, the voice was Jacob Thompson, Nathan was Mickey Wojner, Jane was Aaron Morrissey, and Dad was Daniel Schwartz. All right, thank you very much, Reggie, and now welcome back to the podcast. Uh, well, you haven't really stopped listening to the podcast yet, but we'll roll four die now. Uh, four dice, I should say, because Frank left, so... Oh, okay, looks like the two winners are Reggie and Rory. Reggie and Rory, why don't you tell us a bit about what's been going on in your life, and then... You know, go get move us on to the next section. Well, yes, absolutely. It will be our pleasure to tell you what's been going on in our lives. And it is indeed fascinating because they are connected. Our lives are connected, not just because we are distant identical cousins, but also because I, now living here in the United States, was in need of somewhere to stay and turning to Mr. Reggie Sinclair, since he was my only known relative in the area, I asked him if he would graciously allow me to live with him while I look for my own place, and he very, very pleasantly said yes. Yes, uh, well, right. No, I mean, I felt like I had to because, you know, you're Thomas's son and all that. And, of course, your former good friend, Rory Sinjin. Well, no, I mean, you're not my friend, Rory Sinjin. You 
formerly were my friend Roy Sinjin, or, you know, so you claim, uh, which I don't doubt, of course, why would I doubt that? Because there's no particular reason to doubt that, but I'm just saying that I don't... You, you know, you're so different from him in so many ways. I only differ from Roy Sinjin in the ways that are unimportant or wrong, and he was wrong about in the first place. The things that I believed when I was Roy Sinjin that I no longer believe were things that I should not have believed when I was Roy Sinjin. And if I was a writer Roy Sinjin than I would have been, I would have already been like Rory Edison when I was Roy Sinjin. Yeah, yes. Well, I'm just saying, you know, the Rory Sinjin that I knew... Had a lot more in common with me. Well, of course, the two of you are identical. Right, and you and I are, are much less identical. We don't actually look anything alike, nor do we sound anything alike, nor do we believe almost any of the same things. Well, not for lack of trying, because, of course, I have been attempting to convince you to change your ideas to be more close to my ideas. Again, if you had believed the things that I believed the whole time, you would have been a writer you than you ever were before, just as Rory Sinjin would have been a writer Rory Sinjin than Rory Sinjin was before if Rory had believed the things that I believe now. Now, obviously, Rory didn't have a me to tell him the things that he believes were incorrect, but you have me telling you that the things that you believe are incorrect, which is why you should change the things that you believe to be more like the things that I believe, and therefore you and I can be the Reggie Sinclair and Rory Edison of the correctness circuit. Well, while I do think it's, you know, lovely that you believe that there's such a thing as a correctness circuit, um, I will say that I'm, 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 you know, happy to be moving in the circuit that I do move in, which is, of course, wealthy people who believe in extra history and want to pay me to perform extra history. So I don't see how moving from that circuit to the quote-unquote correctness circuit would actually benefit me. Anyway. Well, of course, because it would make you more correct. Uh, being incorrect in the circuits where you're getting lots of money is just not as good for you or good for your well-being as a human or as a moral entity in the universe as being in the correctness circuit would be. Being in the correctness circuit makes it so that you can just feel good about everything that you think all the time because you know in your core that you are correct at all times. I know, I know all I, okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say I know all about that, but I, I'm not supposed to talk. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because you said the reason we were not going to have everybody talking was because there was too many hosts. There were five hosts, and now there are only four hosts. Frank had to leave. So at this point, really, you could just go back to having a normal show. And then, Jordan, it would not be incorrect of you to speak at this point. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. I'm okay. I guess so. Scape, you can talk too if you want to. Scape. Well. He's uh, he's asleep, which is correct of him to do as well. But all I'm saying is any one of us can talk at any time because it is the correct thing. And we can go living in that correctness because we know we are in the correctness circuit. Wait, no, I'm not in the correctness circuit. I'm sorry. This, this is not a circuit I'm familiar with, and it's not one that I necessarily knew I want to be a part of. Uh, while I do, of course, want to be correct, I already think that I am correct. And in being correct, I believe that you are incorrect. Well, now we're just talking semantics. No, no the difference between correct and incorrect is not a one of semantics. Well, it could be. I mean, for example, if one is talking about how to use a piece of language semantically, then the difference would be semantics. Yes, but that's not you. No, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about extra history. Oh, right, right. Extra history. And we actually have a letter about this. What? We, ha we have a letter written in about the topic of extra history. Um, well, we actually have three letters that are kind of directly related to you two gentlemen. So why don't I read those really quick? Uh, first one that came in was this one. Hi, cast of Cast and Wax. It's Angela. I just wanted to mention that the concept of identical cousins isn't all too uncommon. While listening to the podcast, I thought of another set, Laura and Maddie Palmer from Twin Peaks. Just thought it was worth mentioning. Angela. So, so there you go. First of all, that's an identical cousins uh, set, just like the one you guys pointed out of uh, uh, Patty and um, Kathy. Yes. Right, right. Kathy. Patty and Kathy from the Patty Duke show. Um, 
So, I mean, it seems like TV shows have a lot of identical cousins. Yes, they absolutely do. And what's funny is that now you guys are living together, so it's kind of a, you guys are kind of living a kooky, identical cousin uh, television show yourselves. You guys are living together in one of your houses, and you're, you know, well, and again, you don't look alike or sound alike or, or think alike at all. You guys are nothing alike, but you are, in many ways, sort of, kind of identical cousins. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I mean, it is funny, and it would make a good television show if anybody wants to make a television show out of it. No, it, w- it, 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 it wouldn't make a good television show, because like you said, it's two people who don't look anything alike, saying, oh, we're identical cousins, but we're not. We're neither cousins nor we are we identical. Well, legally speaking, we are cousins, because my genetic mother was married to your, well, cousin's genetic father. That's a very loose connection, and, it, and, it, and it's, only, it's only, you know, through legal things and and it and it, and it, it means we're not identical because you can't be identical with someone who you're not genetically related to well right but in my previous life we were genetically related and in that time we were genetic cousins yes but again i i i just i just i don't know that i think that legally speaking you should be allowed to count as rory sinjin because you are so different from rory sinjin in every possible way no we're in fact very similar i just believe that extra history is false and many of the things that he supported and believed in are false right and that's that's what i'm talking about and that's why i'm saying i didn't think you should count as Rory Sinjin. Oh, I see. I see how this is. I see what's going on here. What? What? No. no what? What do you? What do you see going on? You're worried that I'm going to take my inheritance back from you. Listen. Don't worry about it, Reggie. I understand. I left that to you when I thought I was not going to be coming back from the dead. I'm not going to just come along like some sort of, you know, uh, a zombie giver and take all the money back that I gave to you. As, as long as I can find my own way in the world, I will do so. And that's why I'm just asking you to let me stay in your home with you for a little while until I'm back on my feet. Yes, but how long is that going to be? Wait, you know, how are you possibly going to get back on your feet? Well, I'll have you know, I've already been making some, uh, some inquiries. You know? What inquiries have you been making? I've reached out to uh, a past associate that I had in my previous life, and I'm hoping that she will help me be able to get some sort of uh, job and support and, and, and find a way to... Wait, uh, hold on. Who are you talking about? Who are you, talk- who are you talking about? What, what, what woman from your past? Well, like I said, not from my past particularly as Rory Edison, but from my past as Rory Sinjin. Right, I understand. Who, who are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about, um, you know, June T. Loveberger, of course. June, June T. June T. Loveberger? Yeah, I, I thought I would reach out to her, see what she could do, and maybe she could find a way to help me out. June T. Loveberger, the woman who you loved. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. The one who you loved, who betrayed you, and, you know, punished you horribly, made you miserable all the time, and then ended up going out with your arch nemesis. Yeah, of course. But listen, I, I'm I'm past all that. I've I've let all that go. At this point, I'm Rory Edison, not Rory Sinjin, so I'm not holding on to the grudges that Rory Sinjin had. After all, I kind of feel like they were his fault in the first place. If he had just let this extra history thing go, he wouldn't have had so much wrapped up in it, and it wouldn't have been that big of a deal that Jean-Baptiste came in like the con man that he is and tried to steal his position. But it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if Jean-Baptiste is a con man. I think Jean-Baptiste, you know can have all the extra history he wants, because it doesn't matter to me. Extra history is fake. I know this as a fact. Yes, well, that is not actually true. It's not a fact. It's not proven. Uh, let, uh, let me get to our next letter, actually. I'm sorry, what? Well, like I said, there are three letters uh, for you guys about uh, identical cousins, uh, and the second one has a little bit more in it. Um, let me let me read it to you. Jordan Scape et al., we are writing to you as great enthusiasts and fans of your podcast. We had hoped to announce our amazing discovery on your show, and what better opportunity than with the entrance of Reginald Sinclair? Included in this email are several pictures, the meaning of which will become clear as the correspondence unfolds. To begin, an introduction. We are Bert and Bert Meacham, and now they are spelled just so you know. Bert, one Bert is with an E, one Bert is with a U. Uh, Bert and Bert Meacham... 
identical cousins. Born on the same day, we are indistinguishable in our appearance, dress, mannerisms, preferences, and sensibilities. See enclosed picture A, which shows us on our tandem bicycle. Bert is in front, and Bert is in back. Someone seeking proof of the identical cousin phenomenon need look no further than the Meacham boys, as we were called before we grew up, and still are sometimes by people who are older than us. But... To penetrate to the crux of the matter, we are writing to call your attention to the startling results our recent scientific experiments have brought to light. In addition to being identical cousins, we are also identical cousins who are physicists specializing in dimensional geography. This interest grew out of our boyhood fascination with extra history. Imagine our surprise and delight when we successfully developed a way to penetrate the barrier between our world and other worlds beyond this one. See enclosed picture B, which shows us standing in front of our dimensional transit device in matching lab coats, bumping fists. Yes, we are elated to announce on this podcast, once home of famed extra historian Rory Singen and now home of acknowledged extra historian Reginald Sinclair, that other worlds can conclusively be proven to exist. To be precise, eight of them. Eight other worlds, no more and no fewer, like our own in many particulars, but each with a crucial difference that sets it apart. Beyond these, nothing exists that can be defined as reality in the conventional sense as we understand it. Merely quantum foam and interstitial brain matter. Enclosed, see pictures C through J, each of which shows us in one of the parallel worlds we have intuited. Picture C shows a world exactly like ours, except that everyone is a panda. Picture D shows a world exactly like ours, except that everyone is wearing a hat. Picture E shows a world where the French won the Franco-Prussian War, altering all the history that follows. Picture F shows a world where Thomas Alva Edison was never born, referred to by its inhabitants and all who encounter it as Earth-worst. Picture G shows a world where there are no animals, only corn. Picture H shows a world similar to ours, save that all conflicts are settled by ritualistic volleyball tournaments. Picture I shows a world that is a perfect socialist utopia ruled by benign machine intelligences. One of them gave Bert their autograph. Picture J shows a world most notable for its delicious grasses. Bert got indigestion, which is why his smile seems strange in that one. Now, given the immense popularity of this podcast, we are thrilled to bring the news of these incredible other worlds to the people of our humble Earth. Naturally, we remain fans of extra history as a playful exercise in make-believe, and we encourage extra historians to pool their resources with the fantasy writers and visionaries of our own world and the seven others that have people on them. Though, in confidence, we recommend avoiding those on the Earth exactly like ours except that everyone is wearing a hat, as they tend towards thinly veiled political allegories. Once again, we thank you for this opportunity as identical cousins, as scientists, and as fans of the podcast. We must close this letter as we are late to board game night with Bert and Bert Meacham of Earth Worst. Apparently, they never developed Settlers of Catan. Further proof that the name they give their Earth is richly deserved. Sincerely, Bert and Bert Meacham. So, guys, what do you think? No, no that, that doesn't sound likely, that, that, and I that, believe that these gentlemen must be sure. Whoa, 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 hold on. You both, agree, uh, you both agree? Well, apparently, yes, we do. It seems so. Neither of you believes this letter is true. No, why would no, I? No, no, not at all. Well, I, it, I, it sounded, and there's pictures, I no, thought. Uh, let, let me let me go to, go to it point by point. Obviously, uh, I do believe these gentlemen may well be identical cousins. Obviously, that is a thing that is real, as I can evidence by the fact that I am an identical cousin. So, there we are. But, as far as being... Uh, dimensional geographists, what I will tell you is that they are sadly mistaken in their discoveries because what they have discovered is eight other worlds that are accessible from our world. Now, I can, for example, posit a world in an infinite number of worlds, a world in which there is one reality and eight other connecting realities that one can access from that world, but no other realities can be accessed from that world. That is but one world of an infinite number of worlds. Do you see? No, no, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. What I'm saying is, there is a world where, this one, where we can access eight other worlds, perhaps. 
or they're lying, you know, that's the other possibility. But there is also another world just like ours where we can access nine realities. And there's another world just like that where they can access not nine, but ten, etc., etc., until there are an infinite number of worlds that can access an infinite number of other worlds. So, there is a world exactly like our world where they can access an infinite number of other worlds, which does mean that there are an infinite number of other worlds to be accessed by another world like ours. I think I understand what you're saying. So you're saying there's more worlds outside of the eight that they can see, it's just that we can only access those eight. Yes, of course, because they cannot prove to me, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that their machine is capable of accessing more than the eight worlds that they've accessed. The only way they could prove that it could access more worlds than that is by accessing more worlds than that, which would prove that there are more worlds than that, you see? And if they can't access more worlds than that, then there's no way to prove that that's not just a shortcoming of their device. Okay, no, I I think I understand. I think that's completely sound logic, if I, if I can follow it correctly. So that's why you think it's not true, Rory? No, actually, that's not why I don't think it's true at all. I, I, I don't believe that they've accessed any other realities at all. You don't? Well, why is that? Well, they talk about a world called Earth Worst, and this is a world in which Thomas Alva Edison does not exist. I know for a fact that no such world could exist. I'm sorry, what? There cannot be a world without Thomas Alva Edison. And why is this? Well, because it was Thomas Alva Edison's idea to start the world in the first place. My father is, as many of you know, a good friend of God, and God, as you probably are aware, is the person who created the universe and all other universes. But God is in each of those universes as the self-creating self of those universes, which means that without God in each one of those universes, those universes cannot exist. But... Two things. First of all, God sometimes gets really depressed, and if, without Thomas around to console him, he would have offed himself a long time ago. So first of all, we know that no other universe could exist because God would be dead were it not for Thomas Alva Edison. Second of all, we know that the world cannot exist without Thomas Alva Edison because it was a time-traveling Thomas Alva Edison who came back from the future into the past before time or before reality and before there was a place to be. He was there, and he was with God, and he said, if only there were somewhere to sit, and God said, I know, I'll create the universe. That is why the universe exists, so Thomas Alva Edison has somewhere to sit. So, I know for a fact there cannot be a world without Thomas Alva Edison. Who would sit in it? Can you answer me that? Well, yes, I mean, I would sit in it. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't exist without Thomas Alva Edison as well. No, I think you're confusing us. I mean, this is the identical cousin thing. You wouldn't exist without him because he's, you know, your father. No, I, I know, I got that. I, I, I'm saying you wouldn't exist either because without a universe you wouldn't exist to be in the universe. Uh, yeah, well, that's true, yes, but right. But I can imagine a world without Thomas Alva Edison, and so therefore it exists. No, that's again, that's the faulty logic of extra history once more. Uh, you can, uh, you think you can imagine a world without Thomas Alva Edison, but in fact you can't, because Thomas Alva Edison uh, is the one who is responsible for the existence of the world, as I said. Alright, well, what about a world where Thomas Alva Edison comes back from the future and says, I need a place to sit, God makes it, and then Thomas Alva Edison says, I'm not really that fond of the world you've created, and I didn't want to sit on it. You know, I'd, I'd like a much better one. And so he has, you know, God snap his fingers and create a better world, a world, a universe over. Yeah, but that's, again, that's a different God creating that universe because that universe has its own God who is and by existing bees the creation. Bees the creation. You know, exists the creation into existence. Ah, you know, I, I'm just saying I can imagine a world where Thomas Alva Edison it needs such a nice world that he says, you know, God, just keep making new worlds and new realities until I find one I like. And that's the one I'm going to go in and sit in. And that's the one I'm, in fact, going to have been from. Well, of course, listen, Thomas Alva Edison is a discerning gentleman, and he does have strong opinions, and he does only want the best for himself and his family and everyone that he cares about. Yes, I'm not going to deny that. But he's not going to forsake entire universes in order to do so. Or if he were to forsake entire universes in order to do so, he would make sure that God destroyed those universes so they would not need 
need to exist without Thomas Alva Edison, which, as these gentlemen are even admitting, would be the worst possible fate. Now, Thomas Alva Edison is not so irresponsible as to allow God to create a world whose mere existence is to suffer. He would ensure that universe was destroyed. He would absolutely abort that universe before it even began. Whoa, okay, hey, hey, speaking of political allegories, let's just back off that topic for a moment. I'm just saying that he has responsibility. Yes, 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 okay, good, good, good. Why don't we get to our next show? Oh, you know what, before we do that, we have one more letter uh, about um, identical cousins. Well, thank you, Bert and Bert, for writing into us. Sounds like nobody believes that you're telling the truth, but, uh, you know, uh, we'd love to see more evidence. Uh, let's see. What have we got? One more. Here we go. Here we go. Dear Messrs. Edison and Sinclair, just heard you on the podcast and how you are identical cousins related to the rich dying man Diogenes Sinjin. Please contact me if you think the identical family member's legal group could assist you in trying to claim some inheritance after his death. Matt Roma, lawyer. So maybe you guys could... Uh, well. I mean, if Frank is correct, and he no longer is actually dying. I mean, obviously, everybody dies at some point, so perhaps someday we should be able to get some inheritance. Especially, of course, if Frank successfully sues him, uh, he would no longer be his heir. And then if he died after that, which he presumably will, because everyone does die. Well, please don't tell that to Thomas Alfred Edison, because he will, in fact, never die. Fine. Um, since he will eventually die, this gentleman, uh, we will eventually perhaps be able to inherit his money. So, yes, let's contact Mr. Roma. Matt Roma's my lawyer, too. Oh, is he? I didn't realize. I, th uh, I think he is. Maybe it was... Maybe it was his brother. Are you sure they're brothers? Perhaps they're cousins. Oh, that's a very good point. Perhaps they are, in fact, cousins. I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, well, at any rate, those are all the emails about identical cousins, so I thought you might be happy to hear those. Why don't we get right into an identical radio show? It's not actually identical. It's different from the last one. Um, oh, but before we do, we haven't listened to any extra history yet, have we? Sensibly not, since, of course, extra history is false in all possible ways. Well, no, that's not, that's not true. Listen, that's not true. And I actually do have an episode of extra history which was created by Mr. Rory Sinjin before his untimely death and resurrection as some sort of abomination of everything he believed in. Let's listen to it right now. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHIW Binghamton. My name's Rory Sinjin. On August 26, 1920, the 19th Amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote is formally adopted into the U.S. Constitution by proclamation of Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby. The amendment was the culmination of more than 70 years of struggle by women suffragists. Hey, Helen. Yes? Now that we can vote, let's get in the car and go do that. Oh, right. That sounds like a plan. All right. Driving along the um, highway. I don't know why we need to take the highway to go vote, but that's okay. Well, they don't have too many voting centers. I say, Hiram. Uh, yes, hello. Do my eyes deceive me, or are there women in that car? <laughs> you must be seeing things. Women aren't allowed to drive. Well, I don't know. They're voting these days. Hmm. Maybe I should get closer to them, see if they actually are women. I'll just get into this next lane here. No need to signal. If they are men, they'll certainly know. And if they're women, psh, obviously something is wrong. My goodness, somebody's trying to get into the lane. I better step on the gas so they don't hit us. All right, let's go. Phew, that was close. This is our exit. Let's go vote. Okay. Hmm, they didn't fall for our clever ruse. They must have been men. Hmm, I say, is that car full of yetis? Let's try this one more time. Good show. Go for it. Ah, yetis! 
and those two misogynistic men who didn't practice putting your signal on when changing lanes suffered the consequences that all lane changers who don't put their signals on suffer, killed by yetis and a car crash simultaneously. That way the yetis get cooked flesh. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. So don't change lanes without using your blinkers. My name's Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And now that we've got that out of the way, I just want to talk about some other things because of course this is recorded while I am of sound mind and body, you know, just before anything traumatic ever happens in my life, I just want to say that if I do ever die, um, you know, that would be quite a crazy thing that would happen, and I, I hope that it never does, but if it does ever happen that I do die, and of course everybody dies eventually, I hope that I never come back to life as some sort of, you know, genetically created thing with a different brain than mine, with different ideas than mine. Because I, of course, as Roy Sinjin, have very strongly held beliefs. Things like extra history, things like money being the most important thing in the world, etc., etc. And I do not want someone to come along and say that they're me without having those key core ingredients of who I am. And so, of course, people are welcome to claim whatever they want, but I hope that everyone who knows me and cares about me and loves me, as I'm sure all my friends do, will not acknowledge that that person used to be me. Or rather, if they acknowledge it, acknowledge it in such a way that they understand that I am a different person, and therefore they can't you know, go around saying, oh, you know, I'm Rory Sinjin, because they're really not. Isn't who I am partially made up of the things that I believe and think? So if someone tinkers with the things that I think, haven't they made someone who isn't really me? Isn't that you know, sort of a way that you look at it? So what a far-fetched thing to even talk about. I'm, I'm surprised I've even bothered wasting anyone's time with it, but it's good to know. So make sure to use your blinkers when you change lanes, and don't allow anyone to take my place after I die, who, you know, is too different from me, please. Thank you very much. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Casting Wax. Kentwood, Episode 5, Sebago's Jamaican Vacation by Jacob Thompson. I'm Dr. Dan Sebago and I've dedicated myself to telling tales from the life of Eldridge Kentwood. Despite what many people believed at the time, however, we were not always joined at the hip. Every year I would take a vacation, usually one that was inspired by a literary figure. There was one year, however, when my vacation happened to tie into Professor Kentwood's handiwork. That was the year I went to Jamaica. Hey, man, are you going to the beach? Are you my tour guide? Sure, I can do exactly that. How does the beach sound? I'm not crazy about the beach. There are too many people on any beach worth the sand. Besides, I always burn. How about the Bob Marley house? Lots of people would pay me to take them there. I'm not sure who that is. I don't know what else you would want to see. I'm going to Goldeneye. That is the estate where Sir Ian Fleming wrote 14 James Bond novels. It is located in Oracabessa. I never learned how to read, buddy. Can I just sell you some of my goods and cut you the chase? I've got both indica and stativa. I've got specials on Northern Lights, Purple Haze, Big Bud, winner of the 1989 Cannabis Cup. Are you talking about narcotics? Of course! This stuff is like candy to you rich white Americans. Not this rich white American. Ah, but you are rich. Only by the standards of you and your cohorts in the developing world, what of it? 
I gotta take care of these. You got money, and I need your money. I can't say that I like the sound of this. A little bit later, I was revived by a woman who was, in fact, my actual tour guide. She was surprisingly reasonable about my sudden cash shortfall. I don't know if you want to be going to Goldeneye. The president of Jamaica is dropping in today. Well, Dan Sebago is also going to be going there. What other writers does Jamaica have? It looks like you may have a head injury. I don't know if you want to go anywhere today. You didn't take me across this whole island for nothing. Besides, Ian Fleming is right in front of us. I don't think so. Fleming, I love teaching you, but didn't anybody tell you that you're supposed to be dead? Nonsense, my good man. I live at my estate and I entertain historical figures such as Sir Anthony Eden and No Coward. If you spend too much time socializing, you'll never write that 15th Bond novel. This is a reenactor, sir. Don't listen to that, Killjoy. Now my state doesn't tend to itself, and I've got a few minutes at work before I give a president the piece of my mind for trying to turf me out of my own home. This estate is in great shape, because people have been really conscientious since you died almost 30 years ago. Even though I can't tell you what I did during World War II, because that's bloody confidential, I can tell you I've stomped men for saying less. We should move on, Dr. Dan. Shush, tour guide. I know that you, Ian Fleming, only started writing because you wasted your inheritance. Ah, there wasn't much to waste, because I was largely disinherited. That's because you were content to be a lazy playboy. Why am I arguing with a ghost? I'm sick and tired of you saying that I'm dead. If you know everything about my life, why are you here in the first place? Seriously, dude, you know your stuff. You should try getting into the historical reenactment game, cause, but I really need to get to that protest. Well played, Sir Ian. Dr. Dan, the president is going to make a very unpopular announcement, and there may be danger. Perhaps you should not go inside the estate in your condition. Ignoring the advice of my guide, I went inside and walked into a mob scene. 007! What's the problem here today? The president has nationalized this estate and is going to dump all the artifacts into the ocean. Say no more! I'm going to see everything I can while I still can! Oh, oh, the typewriter that produced the James Bond novels. Ah, what do you think of it? I'm pretty indifferent, though I do teach Fleming in my postmodern literature course. Good, Fleming gets no respect from academia. He should float into their offices and haunt them instead of hanging out on his estate and whining to the living. Well, sure, but I never thought of him as postmodern. He, well, he isn't postmodern per se, but some of his ideas tend themselves towards postmodern discussion. Have you read Miss Desdemona de Bartleben's recent essay in the Missouri Review? Can't say that I have. I've always thought that the Bond novels, though trifling in and of themselves... Watch your mouth! We're at his shrine and I named my son Q and my daughter M. That's unfortunate. Oh, you are seriously on thin ice. Choose your words with care. I appreciate the Bond books as a raging expression of the repressed id of a Britain that was emasculated by the world wars. A weakened nation turned to good old 007 as a superheroic, virile, 
fantasy figure, oozing with confidence and sexuality that was otherwise lacking in their drab post-war milieu. Mr. Bartleben expands on my notion and postulates that cultures in decline produce their most aggressively masculine collective fantasies. For example, there were the Stallone and Schwarzenegger movies Americans consumed by the millions as they exported their jobs and sold their dignity, not to mention the phallic totems of the Easter Islanders. The Bond novels are yet another product of such a cultural death spiral. Um, I think I should show you something that would never exist if Ian Fleming were never born. A clock? There have always been those. I believe they were invented in Switzerland. Ow! A cuckoo gun? Well, that hurts like a son of a bitch. Now we finished the job. For the last two years, my lifelong dream as president of Jamaica has been to clean out this imperialist sty and make it represent all the folks of this island. It's time to honor the most heroic folk of this country. Six separate tyrannists! Looks like your crazy clock just got one shot. And you used on your buddy back there. Eh, my partners have real guns. Ha 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 What partners, my crazy friend? Oh no, no, no! That evil professor put him to sleep with his boring lecture! He shot me! <laughs> Why are my guards not taking these crazy loonies away? Oh well, the fact that I haven't been killed is like a personal message from my good friend, God, that I should go on and rededicate this museum to my personal heroes. The Jamaican bobsled team. Boo! You'd all like this more if you were Jamaicans and not a bunch of crazy tourists who like reading about first world pirates. I'll get you! I'll get you! You took a bullet for me, boring doctor man. I hereby declare you to be an honorary citizen of Jamaica. I think we should go now. There's a riot starting. A lot of help you were back there. I wanted to see the speech. Your boss is going to hear about this. You get what you pay for, man. Also, I'm self-employed. Once I finally regained my bearings, I telephoned Professor Kentwood to keep him appraised of what happened. As my life is often quite dull when he is not manipulating it, I wanted to see if his fingerprints were on my strange day. Really? Take it with a grain of salt, Daniel. If you were a paying client, you too could perceive my insincere praise. He understood that he was dedicating that museum in the most dangerous possible manner. It left me pondering the matter of whether President Gordon is playing a deeper game. But the internal politics of the Jamaican nation is beyond my purview. So what did you do? That wasn't nice. Still, I did get a few licks in at Goldeneye before I got shot. Yes, I also know you tend to react to threats by popping up with a barrage of literary criticism and trivia that nauseates everyone within hearing distance. 
I helped save the life of the president by distracting his assassins with that very criticism. I do believe you are looking at this in the most productive possible way. By the way, I've been thinking about this, and I'd like to know if you were Miss Desdemona de Bartleben. You worked all this out with President Gordon. That article was four months ago. I told you, Gordon is a lunatic. But he is not a stupid man, or at least he's no stupider than most. Well, at least I got an honorary Jamaican citizenship out of this. I myself received a significant portion of the Jamaican national budget. When the last stone is laid in the foundation of my massive mansion, or when I read about food shortages, I will think about that dashing and generous fellow President Gordon. The nurse is telling me I've been on... Oh, he hung up anyway. And so went my vacation. As for subsequent developments, President Gordon was killed shortly afterward in a failed or perhaps successful attempt to set the world record for holding his breath. And Goldeneye returned to its original owners. The Jamaican bobsled team was later immortalized in the John Candy movie, Cool Runnings. Within a year, Professor Kentwood had a mansion built that challenged both zoning violations and a century of architectural conventions alike. And the building casts its imposing shadow over the administration building to this day. Finally, after a promising start, Desdemona de Bartleben was never heard from again. In that episode of Kentwood, Professor Eldridge Kentwood was Jacob Thompson, Dr. Daniel Sebega was Charles Berman, the drug dealer was Mickey Weishner, tour guide was Aaron Morrissey, Ian Fleming was Jacob Thompson, Tourist 1 was Pete Bowers, Tourist 2 was Bailiff Quimby, and President Gordon was Daniel Schwartz. Thank you very much, Reggie, and welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Cast and Wax. I mean, again, why do I keep saying welcome back when you are still here? You're just listening to one of our, our serials. Well, I'm dumb, I guess. Anyway... Um, Scape's still asleep, but I'm here with Mr. Rory Edison and Mr. Reggie Sinclair. Hello, thank you very much. Hello, yes. And we uh, we had a very interesting episode right there of um, Kentwood, uh, and as you can tell, very relevant to the situations going on here. But um, even more relevant was that episode of Where Are They Now in History? Yes, pretty, pretty interesting, that, wasn't it? Well, I, I will say that it was interesting. When I recorded that, of course, I was in a time of my life. Yeah, see, that, but that's the whole point. You're not allowed to say you recorded that. Well, I did record that. I mean, when I recorded that, I was at a time in my life when I was feeling very insecure. And I started thinking, well, what if I change in the future? What if what if I get different ideas? I, I You know, to be totally honest with you, I was actually starting to feel the beginnings of doubt. Out at that point in my life and, you know, thinking to myself, what if things are not the way I see them as? What if extra history is not as true as I think it is? And, I, and that scared me and that shook me to my core. And so I thought to myself, well, you know what? No, no, no. I, I have to strike all doubt from the record. I have to I have to redouble my efforts. I have to double down on this thing called extra history. And I'm just going to put out there that there's no possible way that I'm wrong. Of course, I was wrong, you know, and I was wrong to even suggest that I could not have been wrong uh, or that someone else who is wrong or who is not wrong, I should say, is not who I am because I shouldn't deny myself the ability to become right, which I did have at that time. And now I no longer have that ability, but only because I am right all 
already. No, no, the whole point of that is that you're not allowed to say that you're Rory Sinjin anymore because you are a different human being. Who Rory Sinjin is was made up by his opinions, at least in part, you know, which is why I'm much more Rory Sinjin than you are, because I share many more traits in common with Rory Sinjin than you do. Oh, yeah, but... Just because you share traits in common with someone doesn't mean you are them. I mean, obviously, you're not Rory Sinjin. You're his cousin, Reggie. Reggie Sinclair. It's a different person entirely. Totally different name. My name is still Rory. Doesn't matter what your name is. And I have his essence put into me, even though part of it was corrected. But that's, but that's exactly it. You can't correct who someone is. Because then it's no longer who they are. Well, it is. It's just a, a more right version of that person. All right, all right, guys. All right, all right. Well, we have another letter here. Um, this one is for me, uh, but it is kind of relevant to your situation. Uh, you know what? Rory, why don't you read it to me? Sure. No, he means me. Uh, right, yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, go ahead. Dear Jordan, I was very upset and distraught up hearing your recent podcast. Why is that the late Rory Sinjin is being discussed as such an important figure in extra history? Why is this foolish Rory Edison being allowed to disparage that greatest and most useful of all academic and scientific disciplines? This is an outrage. I am, with the founding and success of my academy, the world's foremost authority on and practitioner of extra history. Now that Rory Sinjin is dead, this claim is also undisputed. If this Reggie Sinclair person wants to take lessons, he is more than welcome to pay tuition. I can tell him with complete honesty that the fees will probably pay for themselves. Secondly, I want to complain about my treatment on your most recent episode. It is terrible for my business for me to be associated with kidnapping. And now you mention me in associating with this Lynn Nelson person being kidnapped. Can you fail to see that this is terrible for my business? Are you trying to ruin me? I don't want any beautiful woman who might otherwise have signed up for a reading with me to fear that by association, they too will end up kidnapped. Or that because of my natural romantic and seductive French manner, I, of all people, might be interested in kidnapping them. This is unacceptable, and I demand that you get Ms. Nelson out of captivity immediately in order not to jeopardize my business. Thank you. See Jean-Baptiste Saint-Seraf. Wow, wow. Jean-Baptiste, what an angry gentleman. You've picked a fight with every single person here. Absolutely correct. I don't know why he did it. I am Rory Edison. I am Rory Sinjin. I am the former Rory Sinjin, I should say. And I, as the most successful practitioner of extra history, can confirm without any doubt or any speculation that I might be incorrect or telling the incorrect truth about it, that extra history is false, is a lie, is a scam, and that you, as a practitioner of extra history, claiming to be the foremost there, practitioner of extra history, therefore are claiming to be the foremost con man of the business of extra history. That is like admitting to a crime and the police should come to you immediately and arrest you on charges of extra historical practicing. No, because that's not actually a crime. Because that's not an admission, because it isn't, you, you know, everything you've said is false. That being said, everything that he said is false too, because he's not the foremost, because I'm still actually the foremost, and by still I mean now the foremost, now that Rory has passed on. Because Mr. Jean-Baptiste Sansaraf. Rory Sinjin taught me everything that he knew. No, strike that. I taught him most of the things that he knew. Right, we taught each other. We taught each other everything that we know. So therefore, everything he knows, I know, and either knew before him or knew shortly thereafter him. Therefore, I know it just as well as he knows it. Therefore, I was the number two by... A small measure, and the reason that I allowed him that small measure of boost is because I thought, you know, I didn't want to argue. But I do want to argue with you that you are because you are not. And Rory was, and now it's me because I was so close to him, and only because I allowed it. You know, the point is, I'm the number two, was the number two, now I'm the number one. You are the number, you know, probably 40... 
five because everyone is better than you. You're lousy at your job and you are a terrible person. Well, I agree on the terrible person thing, but I don't agree on the extra history stuff. But can we just agree for a moment to just destroy him? Well, I do agree that you should be destroyed. Yes, Mr. Baptiste. Mr. Sanseraf. Monsieur Sanseraf, actually. And I'm mad at you, too, because you've pointed out that I forgot that Lynn was kidnapped. Um, It's been like two weeks, guys. Do you think... um? You think she's still okay? Wait, I'm sorry. What? You knew that this Lynn Nelson person was kidnapped and you didn't say anything about it for two weeks? Well, I... I okay, I mean, yeah, that's a tr- an accurate depiction of what happened, but it's not a full and accurate depiction because we were talking about the fact that she was kidnapped and then we got... Then that's when... That's when um, um, Reggie showed up and he came in and we started talking and it just distracted us and I... She wanted me to... Contact somebody. I forget who it was. Well, for heaven's sakes, you're supposed to contact someone about a, a, a kidnapping. You should really do it. Well, yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can find who it was she wanted me to kidnap. I mean, I mean, a contact. Um. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, contact a reporter named Martin at the Washington Post in the politics division. I mean, I don't know any anybody in the politics division of the Washington Post. That doesn't matter. You should actually make sure to reach out. I mean, I I, I actually have some contacts with the Washington Post as you know Thomas Alva Edison's son. Oh, can you contact him then? Because I I mean I'm really yeah yeah. Okay, let me I'll call him right now. Hold on a second. It's ringing. Hello, can I speak to Martin, please? This is Rory Edison, the son of Thomas Alva Edison. Yes, I was uh, I was speed aged. Through science, through science. Oh, thank you very much. No, no, please, it's that's too much. Yes, yes, just go ahead and put me through to Martin. I'm sorry? Okay. That's not good. All right, well, uh... Do you have anybody with a name that sounds like Martin? Wait, what, what happened? Why, why are you at? What, what happened? Uh, Martin was let go last week. Okay, well, don't, no, don't ask about somebody who sounds like Martin. Ask if they have a forwarding number. Oh, uh, yes. I'm sorry. Do you have a, do you have a forwarding number? I can, uh, uh no. Okay. Uh, for, uh, email address or, 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 or physical address even. You have a physical address. Okay. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, no, no, it was really my pleasure to talk to you. No, no, that's... Again, I'm sorry, that's just too much, but thank you so much. It's really always a pleasure to talk to a fan. Okay, bye-bye. Well, what did he say? It was just... I don't want to repeat it. It was too generous. No, I mean about Martin. Oh, uh, yeah, he gave me a, an address, a physical address. Physical address? I mean, so what, we're going to have to, like, mail him the information? It's going to take forever to get there. But it's not going to take forever. It'll just take a few days. Ugh, fine, fine, fine. All right, uh, why don't you print up Lynn's letter, and I'll put it in an envelope, and we'll put a little note on it saying, hey, Martin, heads up. All right, that sounds like a plan. Oh, God, I hope it doesn't take too long. I mean, it's been two weeks. Oh, man, Lynn, I'm so sorry. I, can you hear this? Probably not, because you're kidnapped. Going back to the email at hand, Jean-Baptiste, you're a jerk. Uh, nobody here likes you. We'll have you back on the show, I'm sure, sometime soon. All right, let's get back to the shows. Um, what, what do we got left? Oh, we have so much stuff left. Okay, uh, this one is a... Um, any italic, any italic. Let's do it. Any italic, girl reporter. Episode 10, That Was Now, This Is Then, by Charles Berman, Pete Bowers, and the Schwartzes. 
Dateline Bobsburg, from the desk of any italic girl reporter, high atop Henderson Towers in Center City, in her office of the Thorpsburg Ledger Star Bulletin Journal, we bring you the news of the world. Commissioned by seasoned newspaper editor Eugene Seabrook, and the italic tracks the most thrilling events of our day with the determination of a bloodhound, poised notebook in hand for the moment of her big break. Sometimes when you're a reporter, you need to eat. Sometimes, when you're not a reporter, you need to eat, too. Sometimes, the second one sounds a lot better to me. For instance, there was this time Gene had me go review a restaurant that nobody liked. To make things worse, he had me take Susie and, well, the new girl. It sure is nice to go on a girl's day out with you, any italic girl reporter. And it's nice to see you, too, Wonder Wingdings, bad reporter. You really shouldn't call her that, Susie. Not to a face like that. Why not? That's what Eugene Seabrook, newspaper editor, calls her. And he's the editor of a newspaper, so he must be an expert on reporters. And the newspaper. But not to her face, Susie. He really said that about me? Yes, he did. But you must be a very nice person for you to still have been hired. I think it's because of your smile. I don't want to be hired for my smile. I can insult your smile if you want. Suze, you've done enough helping today. Okay, I'll go over here and be counterproductive. Ooh, a jukebox. I know what that is. Look, Wanda, it's not that you're a bad reporter. Just, you're just bad at writing about things that happened in an interesting and informative way. That's what reporting is. Well... Yes, but I was hoping I'd have thought of a difference by the end of that sentence. The trouble is, you write like a seven-year-old. Or the killers. What do you mean? Well, look, I'll show you what I mean. Here's what you wrote about the first murder after the boring killer of Fredonia escaped. It was nice out. There were some people gathered around. They were talking about a crime. But I don't think he did it. Then I got a hot dog... And I spilled mustard on my shirt. I'm Mr. Brightside. I loved that shirt. I wore it on my first day as a reporter. And how about this piece about the Thorpsburg Heptacentennial? It was a party. They served food. Seven words is short for an article, especially on the front page, above the fold. You're right, I suck. Aw, come on, Wanda. It's not as bad as you think. Eugene heard we didn't have any bad reporters on staff, so he hired you for diversity. There's no pressure. In fact, if you got any better, it might cost you your job. What's that terrible sound? It's the jukebox. Susie was going to put a quarter in, remember? Should... Should that go in the review? (sighs) No. Diners almost always have jukeboxes. I'm here to do the review. Talk to the owner and get out of here. Jean wants an inspiring story about a diner that's managed to beat the odds and stay open for five years despite the fact that nobody likes the food or the service. Oh, so what should we do? Have some food and agree about how bad it is. Gene let you guys come because he's just inhumane enough to send me on a dozen of pointless restaurant reviews, but not enough to make me go alone. I'm disappointed by that jukebox. They didn't have any of the bands whose names I recognized from seeing them in the paper. No matter how many quarters I put in, it kept having the same bands. 
Things like Inkspot and the Oneaters. Hey, ladies, it's uh, it's me, Steve. I'll be your waiter tonight. Sorry for all the old music. No problem, hun. Can I talk to the owner? I'm an owner. Not the owner? <sighs> I'll go get him. Did someone say owner? Why didn't you come get me? This is Matthew Nichols, entrepreneur. Sorry for my incompetence. Co-owner, that is. Well, that's no trouble. We'll document the incompetence of your co-owner along with how bad your music is. Ah, like many young people, you find this music terrible. Oh, it's okay. We're not here to enjoy ourselves anyway. Yeah, we're reporters. You are? Excellent. Wait till you see this newsworthy item. What's that remote for? Science. Oh, what the f*** was that? That, the f*** was our new customer satisfaction increasing device. Do you like the music now? It's starting to grow on me, kind of like this goiter. You sound so old, Wanda. I sound so old, Wanda. And Susie, you've grown up. God, are these my tits? Stop obsessing over your breasts. Modern America will do that for you. What in Sam Hill have you done to us? I've activated a hidden device that doubles the age of my customers. Now that old fogey music will be sweet to your ears. Yeah, we, uh, we also save a lot on food since old people can barely taste what we serve them. And the leftovers that their shriveled stomachs cannot contain can be reheated to lukewarm temperatures and served to other customers in exchange for money, for profit, for me, from the diner, here at the diner. Heavens to Betsy! I'd be writing this down if I weren't suddenly affected by rheumatism. That's all right. I remember it. Now that I'm a seasoned, experienced veteran reporter. So we got there, and everyone was old. And I was going to order the Salisbury steak, but you know... Jesus! Fuck! Fine, I'll take your goddamn nose for you. Christ, that's what a fucking good reporter would do, isn't it? All right, young man. Why in heaven's name are you doing all this? A competitor from the other, taller, diner, across the street, has sabotaged the jukebox so that it only plays music that is at least 50 years old. Aging, our customers, that is, is the only way to make them enjoy these stultifyingly old, out-of-date records. You know, in my day, we would have just hired somebody to fix the jukebox. I have no patience for your hopelessly old-fashioned ideas. Foggy patron, from the newspaper. Now, since you have limited time in which to spend money during these, your declining years, please proceed to order the most wildly expensive items on the menu. Steve will take... Your orders. You f***ing dirtbag. This is totally against every law in the book. That makes you a f***ing criminal ass You can bet your ass I'm writing a story seeing a crime happen here. And that's a goddamn fact. Oh yes, Sonny. I think you should turn that machine back. As it stands, my review would say that I went to the restaurant, but that the owner was a very unpleasant young man. Ha, ha. I will never allow threats of retribution from my customers to prevent me from increasing their satisfaction with my age array. Wait! Ahem! I am so satisfied here at this restaurant that I will never come back again. I don't think I'll ever need to come to another restaurant again. But no! A respectable restaurant has its basis in repeat business. It certainly does, young man. And now that I'm old... I would have very few days left in which to return, even if I could be convinced. I have no choice. I must make you young and dissatisfied. God, that boring old music is still playing. Thanks, Matthew Nichols, entrepreneur. 
now you're operating your business completely within the guidelines of the law. I'll make sure to write in my story that everything you're doing is perfectly legal. But that the jukebox is broken. Thank you, small woman, child, journalist. I will serve you delicious food at half the regular price. The chowder was awful. That episode of Annie Itanic Girl Reporter featured the voice talents of Mickey Weishner, Angela Schwartz, Cheryl Casey, Sarah Diaz, Daniel Schwartz, and Pete Bowers. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Reggie. You know what? We're going to plow through because we've still got a giant show to listen to. Um, Here's here's a quick uh, uh, letter, though. Dear Jordan, I was listening to your most recent podcast, and I was pleased to hear how document forging was mentioned several times. Document forging is a useful service that can be useful in any situation in which you might need a false document. It can allow you to inherit money that is not rightfully yours, own houses and boats you never bought, be a citizen of any country in the world, fake your own death, become president unconstitutionally, or buy drinks in bars as young as at the age 15. I thought your listeners might want to be referred to a reliable document forging service in case your last episode inspired them to patronize one. I am a skilled document and photo forger of with 11 years experience. I can make any kind of fake document or create any kind of faked photograph with anything happening in it. I'm sure your hosts will attest this. Please feel free to refer your listeners sincerely. And then in quotes, it says Albert Johnson. What does he mean my host can attest to this? Well, I'm sure that what he means by that is that uh, one of the hosts has used his services. Really? Who, who, would, who would do that? That's a very good question. Uh, you it was probably Scape. What? Well, you know, he's uh, he's always talking about sneaking out of the house and doing this and that, so he probably snuck out and used a fake ID to, you know, get some alcohol. You think so? I mean, it seems unlikely to me, but what other option is there? One of us, I guess. And that's not an option that I think is true, so yes, it's probably escaping. Scape? Well, you know, what's your problem? What? What? I was sleeping. What? What's the problem? Why would you forge a license? Um... So I could drive a car, I guess. You've been driving a car? What? No, no. You just ask why I would do it. That's probably the best reason. No, I, well, I thought you were doing it to drink alcohol. Uh, I don't want to drink alcohol. I, I just want to eat more Well, they give you that without a forged license. Good, because I don't want to have to get one. Good. Okay. What are, we, Dad, what are we arguing about? Just don't do it again. Okay. Can I go back to sleep now? Yeah. Okay. Jeez Louise. All right. So I'm sorry to have to do that in front of you guys. Um, anyway, uh, let's go back to, oh, what do we have to do? Oh, so we're going to escapey story. Well, escape's back asleep again already. We haven't done escapey story in a very long time, but we did one and here it is. It's really exciting. Hopefully you guys will all enjoy it. Oh, and before we get to that, here's another This Day in History. Welcome to WHRW Binghamton's This Day in History. My name is Roy Sinjin. On September 2nd, 1969, President Ho Chi Minh of the Democratic Republic of Vietnam dies of a heart attack in Hanoi. North Vietnamese officials announced his death the next day. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to honor the memory of President Ho Chi Minh. Yeah! Uh-huh! Yeah! Uh-huh! Yeah! Uh-huh! We are remembering yeah! Ho Chi Minh. Uh-huh! Yeah! Sir? Uh-huh. Hello, yeah, I'm just... Totally watching this speech. Uh, who was a great yeah, communist yeah. and and a uh, president who no um, was no she did in charge of Whoa. Viet. I mean, 
I knew she Nam. was a total slut, but come She's on. She's a total slut. I mean, I mean <laughs> Ho Chi Minh was not a total slut. Um, it's but, nice of you to say so, <laughs> really. Yeah. I'm zombie uh, Ho Chi Minh, and I'm not entirely pleased <laughs> with how this is going. I'm, I'm sorry, Ho. I mean, I mean, I mean, Mr. Okay, Min. look, funeral guy, there's only one solution. It starts with B and ends with Reigns eating me of yours. <laughs> Nar! Ah, Come. my brain, it hurts. Now that's been eaten. Crap, there's zombies. I'm gonna go. I'll talk call you later. And you, cell phone person. Me? Yes. What about me? Well, come over here. Okay. Brains. And zombie Ho Chi Minh did, uh, in fact, kill more people than the Vietnam War before him. It was very unfortunate, and all started because his spirit was outraged by a cell phone ringing during his funeral. When you're at some sort of a public event, make sure that you turn off your cell phone, pay respect to whoever is speaking or performing or whatnot, or else. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. But hold on, because... Oh, sorry, that's me, Can we get that? Hello, this is Rory Sinjin with Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Yes, yes, I have heard that Thomas Alva Edison has been collecting my generic material in order to create another version of me after I die. Yes, yes, in fact, I do grant him that permission, granted that he does not alter any of my opinions. And of course, if he does alter any of my opinions, think that that genetic copy of me should be bust from existence. Yes, I do understand that it is a living creature, but at the same time, I figure since it is me, I can order it to be killed on sight, could I not? You agree that that is legal? Yes, good, wonderful, wonderful. No, I agree, but the reason I think that that works is that I don't believe Thomas Alva Edison would betray me by changing any of my opinions like that. I'm confident that when he brings me back, I will be the same me that I always was. No, of course, there is the possibility he will betray me, but that's why I'm authorizing anyone and everyone to kill him on sight when they see him, and I'm sure whoever I've left all my money to will provide that person with some sort of reward for doing so. Legally, it might be a bit of a sticky wicket, but I will say that as I in some ways could be considered legally that same person, I will say that I will not be pressing charges for my own murder. Right, right, Mr. President, I figure you will give them a presidential pardon. Excellent, thank you, sir, thank you. God bless America. Where was I? Oh, yes. I should not have had my cell phone on because I was recording in a public place. Make sure that when you're in a public place, when there's some sort of performance going on, you turn off your cell phone's ring so it doesn't interrupt the situation for everyone around you. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Have a good day, Mr. President. Scrappy Stories From a Cat in the Dark Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan and I am here to introduce you to the wonderful world of Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. It's been a little while. What happens is my cat, Scape White, will tell a scary story to a guest listener. This is Scape. Hello, that is our Scape. And this is our guest listener, Mr. C. Auguste Dupin. That's right, I am C. Auguste Dupin, the great detective. Thank you, uh, Jordan D. White, for having me on this program. You're very welcome. Scape, why don't you take it away? Okay, thank you for being on my Uh, You're very welcome. You're very welcome, Mr. Cat. I am uh, glad to be on the show to uh, demonstrate my uh, detective uh, skills. Well, I just have... So, do I call you... See Auguste Dupin. Well, but yeah, but that's that's too young. I can't be like, hey, see Auguste Dupin. You just did that, so clearly you can do that. (sighs) I'm not going to do it every time. Lazy cat. Uh, but you can call me Monsieur Dupin. Monsieur Dupin. Monsieur Dupin. Monsieur Dupin. Monsieur Dupin. Well, that is what I just said. That's right. I'm, I'm repeating it to 
tell you that's why. You that, said it, I said it. It's why. That's how you say that I'm right and say everything I just said? Everything you just said. Okay, that's not going to work. Because it's time for this week's episode. The Murders in the Rue Morgue by Edgar Allan Poe. Ah, I was in the Rue Morgue once. Yeah. So the red case in the Rue Morgue. Right, yes, that, that, that's what I'm saying. This story is about you. Oh, I know this story then already. Yeah, but I just, I figured having you here would give it some verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. I'm, uh, I'm French. I don't know that word. Uh, basically, I'm going to say what happened, and then you could be like, yeah, that's what happened, because I was there. I could certainly do that. I, I don't know if that's the best use of the time of a great detective, but sure. Well, you gotta, you gotta detect that it's true. All right, I think I can do that. Okay, so like, once upon a time, um, a lot of people say that when, if you, that if you're good at chess, it means you're smart. But, uh, those people are wrong. That's not- Well, hold on, I'm very smart, I'm very good at chess. Yeah, but it's coincidence, because chess, like, for chess, all you got to do is, is memorize all the moves. And then... No, you can't memorize the moves because the other person makes different moves. You have to react to the moves they make. But you could memorize those moves too. Look, I'm just saying... You can't memorize them before they made the move. You could... Basically, you could be like, I know all the possible moves. No, there are so many. There are zillions of possible moves in chess. No. Yeah. How many pieces? There's uh, eight and eight and eight and eight pieces in chess. So that's not so many. That's eight. Well, no, there's the number of pieces. That's not the number of, Look, of moves. All I'm saying is, yeah, but it, there's lots of, it's all complicated. What it is, is you're confusing, you and everybody is confusing, like, complicatedness for smartness. But what it really is, is, if you want to play a game that can tell you if somebody's smart, you could play checkers. But I'm also very good at checkers. Yeah, because checkers, there's only, everybody knows how to play, you can only do one thing. So in order to beat the other person, you're, like, equal. You have to make sure you are smarter than them. You're also equal in chess. You have the same piece no, sets of pieces. No, because somebody each. memorizes more. That's all. No, but why you can't memorize? The other person makes different moves every time. Also, do you know what's even smarter than checkers? Uh, nuclear physics. That's not a game. Sentinels of Cotan. <laughs> Well, probably, but they didn't have that back then. I was going to say whisk. Whisk? No, not whisk. We've like a... Like wrist. Like a wristwatch. No, well, no, it sounds similar if you have... Like the cow game, like wrist. Yes, yes, wrist, yes. Where you, it's, you got, you got to play tricks, and then when you like play... Like cow tricks. Well, no, you got to, you play tricks on people. No, I oh, mean, like that's not when you play tricks on people. You play tricks on the, t on the table, ah, and then you take you... them. Look, all I'm saying is, here's what happens. If you're a good player of wrist, what you're going to do is... You sit down at the table, shuffle the cards, you deal out the cards, and then, like, a minute into the game, you're like, I know what cards everybody has. Because I am looking at my friend who's playing the cards against me, and I can just be like, wiggy, 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 using my smartness. I can see that he's, like, glancing left and right, and I can see how he's, like, you know, smiling a little bit, and I'm like, oh, I know, he's got, like, a six of clubs, and, like, a 
ten of diamonds and like blah 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 all of them. How do you know that? For smarts. But also in whist, you don't start with all the same pieces. You have different cards. Yes. So that's not as smart as shekels. No, it's smarter because you're like you don't know what everybody has. But I figured it out through my smartness. Well, I figured it out in chess. You have two rooks by looking at it. Yeah, but you looked. You can't cheat in the card. Anyway, look, I'm not even talking about me. I'm really talking about you. Well, yeah, I'm really good at all these games. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Because well, I'm a really smart guy. Okay. Yeah, if you were playing like Whist, wouldn't you be like, I know what Scapey has? Well, yeah, I'm super smart. I'm yeah. really good at cards. Because anybody who's... I'll play you in cards anytime. You want well, to play cards? No, not right now. We, we need four people. You get your dad, and we get uh, Frank Allen, and we, we'll play right now. I'll show you. I'll win. No, I'll get you no, I'm going to do a story. Listen, what I'm saying is, if you're good at Whist, you're probably good at everything. I am good at everything. Well, that's a good test. Pretty much everything, yeah. So, okay. So once upon a time, by the way, that was just some some philosophizing I, I thought I would do. Once upon a time, uh, I was living in Paris for a summer, okay? And that's when I met Monsieur C. Auguste Dupin. Well, I never met you in Paris. I met you right here. This is New York. No, I'm talking about, yeah, but this was a long time ago. This was in 18... Yeah, I was there, but I never met you. Yeah, well, but, okay. Also, cats only live to be like... Uh, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. Don't, don't, whatever you're saying, don't do it. What I'm saying is, it's story. Do you know about stories? Of course I know about stories. Right. I, I've read lots of stories every day. I'm reading This stories. is just like those, except I'm telling it. Alright, except I'm in the stories. It happened to me. I know what happened. Yeah, and, and remember when you were living with a dude? Wait a minute. What are you saying? No, I don't mean like, you know, I mean like you had a place with a dude. That was me. Okay, look, just pretend that was me. Just pretend. Just pretend. Alright, you're a dude. I, well, I am a dude. Okay, so what happened was I met you at the library one time and you were looking for a book and I was looking for the same book and I was like, dude, you're a cool dude. Uh, do you want to get an apartment together so we can hang out? And you were like... Okay, when a person and a cat get an apartment, it's not called getting an apartment together. That's called a pet. No, it wasn't, ab it wasn't about a pet. It was because you were... Because it was because you didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of money. So we were both like, if we combine... No, if you don't have a lot of money, you don't get a pet because then you have to pay more. But I had a little bit of money, but not too much. But you weren't getting a pet. I was getting a pet. No, look. Here's what I'm saying. I'm a dude. You're a dude. We both had some monies. You are from a rich family, and but you were like, oh, I spent a lot of my money, and now I'm like kind of broke, and all the all the like money wanting peoples are after me, the creditors oh. and stuff. Well, yeah. Well, you don't have to talk about that. Well, I'm just that's how the story goes. Well, it's um, embarrassing. I know, but we're gonna just get it all out there, okay? Well, no, we don't have to. Do that? You were, you needed some money. I needed some. We were both broke. And so, but because you had some money, you were like. I wasn't broke. I had enough. You had money. a little bit of money. And you were like, okay, tell you what, Scapey. We can live together, and I will get us a little mansion that we can live well, in. Everything counts when it's a mansion. What, you, what does that mean? Well, mansions are big. They cost a lot of money. Yeah, but it was like, it was not. I mean, it wasn't that good of a mansion. It was, it was empty. It was a pretty good mansion. Yeah. It was pretty good. I mean, it was better than my mansion, because I didn't have one. So I was like, yeah, it was pretty nice. But my point is, we moved in together, and basically, we became like, I don't know, good friends, but all we would do is like sit around and read, and we slept all day long, and then we would get up at the nighttime and be like, oh, it's nighttime now, and then maybe we would go outside at night, but we never had no friends over. And we never had, like, going out in the daytime times? Well, we're, we're too cool for them. And also, it's, like, it's normal. 
get up in that. Lots yeah. of people do that. No, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cat. I do that also. I'm, you're, yeah, you are a cat. Yeah. You're, you're not a cat. I need your- I know. That's right. No, that's so a, what? It's a real weird as hell. No, it's not weird. You I, do it. Don't call me weird. Yeah, but I'm a cat. I live with people and they don't all do it. Well, maybe they're weird. Well, maybe. But anyway, you and me, we just lived together and we just hung out together and that was about it. Well, yeah. Well, that's fine. That's cool. So, anyway, uh, this is all before the story, really. This is all like backstory. This is our backstory. So, one day, okay, I just, just I want to tell people what you're like. Because they don't know. They can hear what I'm like. I'm really cool, smart guy. I'm well, really they can smart. hear that you're French, but I mean, like, what you could do. Like, the thing you could do. So, one day, you and me, we were walking down the street. That was how you walked down the street. That's the singing thing you could sing while you walked down the street. That's how I do it. All right. So, I'm walking down the street. And then... We, neither of us is talking. We're both walking in silence. And um, then after a couple of minutes, you turn to me and you go, yeah, that guy is really short. He sucks. And I was like, yeah, that, you're right. That's what I was thinking. What, hey, what, how did you do that? Well, that was a really cool trick I did. Yeah. Because I, uh, right, I just sort of guessed what you were thinking of and you yeah. were like, oh, how did you know? And I'm I'm like, I'll make it seem like I'm really smart. Well, that is what you did. You you just knew exactly what I was thinking. So I was like, how did you do it? And you were like, well, I just knew what you were thinking. And I was like, how did you do that? You didn't. You don't know who who was I thinking about. Who was I thinking about? And you you go, you're thinking about Centauri, duh. And I was like, oh. You really didn't know. How did you do that? And you were like, there's no problem. It's because of the guy selling fruit. And I was like, why? There was no guy. I, what does a guy f- selling fruit have to do with it? And I, and I was, and you were like, well, I will explain it to you. It basically goes backwards, like, uh, like this. Backwards, backwards. Uh, Centauri, Orion, Dr. Nichols, Epicurus, Stereotomy, Street Stones, guy selling fruit. Yeah, this is a really cool smart piece and trick you can do. It's like, say something and then somebody, some, you know, sometimes you say something and somebody's like, oh, wow, that's just what I was thinking of a minute ago. And yeah. you can be like, yeah, of course it was. I'm so smart. I thought of all this, you know, make up some shit and then. What, 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 what? I said you make up some shit and then make well, it seem like you were reasoning it out. No, 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 no. You didn't, yeah. make, you didn't make up anything. This was all true. No, I made it up and made it seem really smart. No, because this is all what I was really thinking. Well, I maybe seemed like that because you were so impressed that I happened to think of the same thing as you did at no, that second. No, no, no. No, you have this... F- Come on, dude. That's not how it is. You really were able to do it. I know, because then you explained it. This, okay, wait. Ready? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really smart guy. So this I'm is... totally a- smart. That's I- what I was going to say. You're really smart. Yeah, so this is like a, like a clever of me to like say, ah, you were like, oh, that's a cool coincidence. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. No, I'm not just no. going to say it was a coincidence. I'll say like, oh, I'm super crazy brilliant. I'll like <laughs> pretend I did this and that, that was a smart, cool thing. No. Okay, here's how I know you're wrong. Uh, because then you explained it to me and I was like, yep, yep. So, okay, well, listen to this part, okay? This part is I'm going to be you, okay? All right. I mean, I'm already me. I no, can but I'm going to talk as you in the story. Okay. You can do that. Is okay. you're the one telling the story of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So you were like, okay, let me explain. You and me were walking down the street, and you're talking about me and you when you say you and me. You and me were walking down the street, and a guy who was selling fruit bumped into you. Remember that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you were like, oh, that guy bumped into me. What the? And then you looked down at the ground, and you saw a bunch of rocks. And then when you were looking at the rocks, you were thinking about, hey, 
Do you remember stereotomy? That is a thing about rocks, I think. And, you know, rocks about stereotomy is about Epicurus. Do you know him? Everybody knows what he did, I'm sure, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Epicurus, I'm a, as a smart guy. I'm, I totally know about Epicurus. And, you know, like, people become really suggestible when they're impressed by, like, a cool coincidence or okay. something like okay. that. You're like, oh, totally, Kennedy was born in the same time as... Lincoln, except you reverse all the numbers or something like no, that. Okay, and no, And they're like, I'm oh, sorry. it must be aliens or something. You can just say I'm that. not done. I'm not done. So you talk about Epicurus, and then you're like, I, and then I saw you look up. You, you said to me, I saw you look up and you saw Orion, the stars, and then do you remember that guy said something about Orion the other day, and he also was saying Epicurus. I mean, he also was saying Chantilly was short, and that's how I was like, hey, Chantilly is short, and then you were like, yeah, and that's how you did it. That's how I did it, says you, to me, and I'm like... Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it's totally like, uh, sometimes you got to watch out. It's like, oh, it's the same thing? All right. And uh, people are really suggestible, and you make something sort of reasonable, and they'll be like, oh, wow. Okay, dude. That's a cool smart pepper. Dude, you are ruining the story. I'm giving an helpful tip. I'm The story's about me. How am I ruining the story? Because uh, the story is supposed to be about you're really smart. I'm you... really smart. Now you're making it sound like you're a d No, I'm not a d You are my roommate. You know. I'm not a I know, so you should stop making it sound. <sighs> Look, just, I could be like, hey, you were really smart, and you're supposed to go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we're good? Yeah, we're good. Right. And we're really smart. Uh, we're good. Okay, so basically, that's the end of the backstory, okay? Now we can get to, like, the real story. All right. Once upon a time, okay, you and me were sitting in our mansion, right? Right. About three o'clock in the morning, and we and, and the newspaper came, and we were like, "Oh, newspaper! Let's take a look." And the newspaper was like, "Dude, did you know a bunch of people got murdered for serious?" That's how they talk in the newspaper. Yeah. The, well, it was a headline, so we were like, "What?" Let's read it. So we read it, and here's what it was saying. Uh, okay. There was a place in Paris called Rue Morgue, right? Right. That's, that's that a street. That's a, no, Rue means, uh, uh, means street. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, also, uh, had a morgue. Of course. Well, maybe it was just Morgue Street. It's the street with the morgue. Well, I don't know if it had a morgue on it, but it was called Morgue Street. Oh, all right. Well, it was in the street morgue. Maybe. Listen, I live on, on Yellowstone. Is there a Yellowstone? Probably. Well, I never saw it. This is a Yellowstone, maybe, building in the street? No. Oh, well, maybe there was a Yellowstone at one time. Well, maybe there was a morgue. Look, there's no... See, you're going to get confused, because you're going to say, there's a morgue, and I'm going to go, no, there's no morgue, but there was some dead bodies, and then you're going to go, there's a morgue, that's not what I'm talking about. All right, all right, I was there. So we got the newspaper. Yeah, okay, newspaper. And it was like, hey, there was some murders on the Rue Morgue, do you know about that? Not yet, because it's just the beginning, so you're going to find out. Here's what it was. There was an apartment there, where a woman and her daughter were both killed. Here's what happened. Um, there was a bunch of screaming. Like, screaming of somebody getting killed. Maybe. And like so, somebody getting killed. Somebody getting killed, maybe. Well, I don't know what it said. Probably just more like, ah, All right, right. And then what happened was the voices stopped as though 
the person screaming was dead. And the cops were like, oh yeah. And so they burst in, and what they found was this. The apartment was torn to bits. All the furniture was smashed, and everything was broken and crashed and smashed and smashed. And there was... A razor with some blood on it. Oh. And there was some hair pulled out of somebody's head. Oh, with some blood on the ends. What the, what the, what the? And there was a couple of bags full of like a zillion dollars in cash. This was a really cool newspaper day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, no, no, no. Dollars? Yeah, yeah. That's, no. that's money. No, there was francs. Francs? Francs is French money. Francs for the money? No, there was French money. We were in France, remember? Yeah, that's... Fr- so francs is French for dollars. We already did that. No, no, dollars is different money than francs. D- dollars is what money is. Dollars are not francs. No, dollars are for what money is. Do you ever use but money? they are not francs. Do you ever use money? Yes. Okay. That's dollars. No, they're francs. Or sometimes now they're euro in France. Okay. Well, dude, you're just being difficult now. They had a million money. Oh, right. It's a lot. Yeah, so much money that you would be like, oh, I wish I could take it. But... Oh, I would do wish because I could use it. Right. It was just sitting there. So the police were no, like... This was an extra interesting story. Yeah, yeah. But there's, it's not even done. Because then it was like... So wait, where are the people who were screaming? Well, I'll tell you. The daughter was shoved up the chimney, my friend. Our feet first. I'm glad you think we're all friends. Well, we live together. What do you expect? I know. You know, but I'm just saying, somebody took the daughter and shoved her up the chimney, like, up the chimney, feet first. Also, by the way, dead. Just say no. What an ass who did that. She was like, well, maybe. She was like strangled. And she was shoved up the chimney so hard, it took like four people to pull her out. Okay. Okay. And where was the mother, you might ask? Well, I will tell you. Not in the room. That's for sure. And, and it's like, how could that be? Well, I don't know. Because both of the doors were locked from the inside. Okay. And the windows had little... They were locked, and also they had little, like, a nail in them. Sounds like they better bring in the great detective, C. Augusto Park. Hold on, hold on. That's not... We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, But this is about the time you would want to say, ah, we need the great detective. They don't say that. They're just like, okay, we're going to keep investigating. Anyway, this is not... There's nobody saying anything. This is just what the newspaper said. Well, I know, but they should have done this before they did the newspaper. But we're not even done describing, because then it's like, so where's the mother? She's not in the room. Well, they looked around outside, and there she was, outside, on the ground, on the pavement, with her throat cut, basically uh, all the way, almost, so her head was, like, almost off. Sort of disgusting, but I like that sort of thing. Well, it's pretty gross. It's like, yeah. if you do that to a mouse, people freak out. I don't do that to a mouse. Well, I've done it. Never, why would you do that to a mouse? Well... Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Why would you got to do that? To kill a mouse with and cut its head off. Why? I'm just saying, if you do it, people freak. <laughs> Look, that's not important. Somebody did it to a lady, and then all of her bones were broken, too, basically. Wow, it's like she fell down a long way. Well, but they just found her on the ground, so. How could she? And she couldn't, because the windows were nailed. Oh, I think probably there was like another way to open the window. Will you just hold on? We're reading the newspaper. All right, all right. Get to the part where I'm investigating. So, that was the end of that newspaper article. Okay. okay. They, were, they were like, we don't have any idea what, how how it happened. The end. So, they, they should call me. Well, 
What happened was, the next day, we got another newspaper. And the well, ne- that happens every day with the newspaper. Yeah, we had a subscription. Yeah, it comes all the, every day. This is how it normally works. Yeah, the so the next day, a newspaper comes, and we're like, hey, let's see if there's more information. Oh, there is. Hey, murder information. Do you want some more? Okay. We went around and we interviewed people about the murders. Here's what they had to say. One lady was like, yeah, that, those, that, that woman and her daughter lived in there. I think they were fortune tellers, but I don't know for sure. And another dude was like, yeah, I used to sell them tobacco that they would smoke. But I don't know, maybe they were not fortune tellers. I don't think they were. Then, and then another person was like, hey, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was in the area that night. I heard all the screaming. And so then we talked to a police officer, one of the ones who was there. And he was like, oh, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I got the call. I come in, we get there, and there's all this screaming, screaming, people going, ah, I'm dying, help me, help me. And we come running into the house, and we're on our way up to the apartment. And we get to the apartment, and it's rocked, so we can't get in, and we're trying to get in. And we hear two, the, the, the rays screaming are stopped. They're not screaming no more. But we hear two other voices, okay? One of them is a deep voice, and that voice is like a French dude, and he's like, oh, my God, my God, uh... <laughs> Like the devil or something. Devil, devil. But in French, but in French. And then there was a second voice that was much more shrill. Kind of a higher voice. But I don't know what it was saying. I couldn't make out no words that it was saying. I think maybe it was Spanish. But I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know. So why would they think it was Spanish? I just have a hunch. It sounded kind of Spanish to me. So they were like, uh, ole, ole. I I couldn't make out any words. All right. Including ole. That is on the list of words I couldn't make out. So then another dude was like, yeah, I'm a neighbor. I heard the people screaming. And then I definitely the real voice was French, definitely for sure. I think the other voice I, again I couldn't make out any words myself, but I'm pretty sure it was speaking Italian. Well, that's not the same as uh, Spanish. No, it's different. It's a different language. So it was like ba 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 puego puego. Couldn't make out any words. I said couldn't make out no words whatsoever. Including, uh, another dude was like, yeah, I'm from Germany. I heard all the same stuff that you just said a minute ago. But I think that, I think that shrill voice was a French dude. But I don't know for sure because I don't speak French. So. How did they interview him if he don't speak French? I don't know, but they probably were like, out of translator. Yeah, that's a pretty good answer to them. Thank you, thank you. So, I don't, I, I don't work for the newspaper. I'm just reading the newspaper. I don't know. Well, me too, me too. I, I'm reading the newspaper too. Why don't we get to this the part of the model so another guy was like it was a fr- it was an english guy and then the english guy was like no it wasn't an english guy it was a like a you know german guy and that, so basically i think you see where this is going everybody's head different there's uh, different languages so it could have been well, like... well, hold on dude hold on oh i don't why though what we're not there so then i'm reading a little bit more on the newspaper and they're like yeah we don't know how they did it the windows were both fastened from inside, and the doors were both locked from the inside, and the roof access was closed and sealed, and 
There's the basic no way anybody could get out of there. So we don't know what happened. Oh, by the way, did you think maybe somebody went out the chimney? Uh, no, because you couldn't. Because the, f the chimney, maybe a cat could fit out the chimney. But that's about it, right? So you were incriminating yourself by being a cat. Well, no, it wasn't me. I didn't go out the chimney, but I could have, probably. So we got to watch you. No, you don't. I mean, you were there. All right, so I'm really smart. I probably was thinking, yeah, it might be this guy that's a cat. I'm the, no, it wasn't me, dude. It wasn't me. Um, anyway, uh, like, a doctor came by and he was like, yeah, these people are super dead. How do you be super dead? You can only be so dead. They, you, they you're were, just either dead or you're not. Yeah, well, he was right. These guys are about as dead as it gets. So that's just regular dead. But sometimes people come back from the dead. But he was right. Not these ones. They're not gonna... No, they don't. Well, vampires. They're not real. Zombies. Look, I'm really smart. They're not real. Okay, well, if you say so, the doctor confirmed these guys were not vampires or zombies. Okay. Okay, so fine. That's good. They're not, because they'll fake. But he was like, yeah, this lady's head was chopped off, probably with a razor. Remember the razor that was in the room? It was a laser. No, razor. They had not invented to chop off a razor with a laser. No, not razor. Razor. Razor, like for shaving your face. Oh, a razor. Yeah, so he was like, it was probably a razor. But then it was like, how could it be a razor when the razor was up in the room and the woman was outside? There's no way to get from one to the other. So they should call the great detective. Well, no, they, they didn't, no. So then we finished uh, the newspaper, and, that was, and they were like, we don't know who did it, so the end. Um, then we got the next newspaper later that day. Sometimes they do more than one newspaper in a day. You're making this, the way you're telling this story, it makes me sound like sort of a loser, just sitting around the house reading newspapers. Well, that's what we were doing. But get to the part where I'm exciting, and I'm solving the crime. Um, we're not there yet. So what happened was we got another newspaper, and you were like, hey, I want to read about those murders, what do you think? But guess what? The cops were like, we got nothing. And you were like, dudes... The police, you know, they do their best, but they just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes they don't see what they're looking at because they're like... They're not as smart as I am. No, that's not why. Because they're looking too close, is what I was going to say. So, like, imagine if you were looking at a picture, but you had your... Like, the picture was smushed on your face. You'd be like, I can't see it. And so, like, that's, that's really stupid. So, yeah. I'm smart, so I just hold the picture far enough I can look at it. Yeah, it's on your face. Like, hold it, like, hold it at, like, arm's length. I'm not so stupid that I would look at smushing my face. Also, just smear it. What does it smell like? You don't smell a picture. You could tell where it comes from. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's another sense you might use. I'd be just like, yeah, I know. I know where this was developed. Developed? Yeah. The picture. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. So, yeah. yeah. I don't but know you, if that would help, but you never know. I, I don't know. Maybe. So anyway, you're like, yeah, these guys, they don't know. They don't know nothing. Uh, I'm, hey, by the way, I'm a lot smarter than them, is what I'm saying. So, uh, I think I would like to look into it, you said. I know a dude at the police station. I'm just going to call him up and be like, can you get me in to the crime scene? I want to check it out. So you did. Yeah, I sometimes like to hang around crime scenes and snoop around and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's when they don't just call me and say, hey, great detective, we need you. Well, they didn't call you. You called them and said, hey, go and check it out. They were like, oh, well, I guess. Yeah, well, I didn't have, I thought I'd look around. I mean, obviously, they were not solving the crime without me. I'm the greatest detective in the world, so, so we, I should go. Yeah, so we showed up, you and me, we showed up at the place and the police followed us around and you looked around outside first. You were like, oh, where did you find the dead lady? Right there? Okay, pretty good. Oh, look, there's the shutters. 
there's, there's, that's the windows that are locked. Okay, got it, got it. Oh, let's go inside. Okay, hey, what's going on inside? Oh, all the furniture is smashed, right? You said, yep, 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 pretty good, pretty good. Um, okay, where was the uh, little girl dead? Oh, there she is. There's her dead body. Okay, cool. This, and by the way, this particular times, they were really, it was really cool of them to let me look around. And sometimes when I do this, they're like, who are you? Why are you trying to look around our crime scene? Some guy. And I'm like, I read it in the paper. And they're like, ah, go away, you creep. So it was cool of them. And, and there were still dead bodies there. Well, yeah, that's for the investigation and stuff like that. So it that's, was cool. That's gross. So you were like, yeah, there's the dead lady, there's the dead girl, okay, there's all the mummies, yep, pretty good, pretty good, yep, check, 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 there's the doors, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep, there's the windows locked, yep, uh-huh, 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 uh, and then you were like, okay, we're good, I'm done, uh, and we went home. Alright, well, yeah, some, so, that was cool, I got to look at the crime scene. And then, right, so then, uh, on the way home, you were like, I gotta go, like, do some chores, I'll be right back. Okay, uh, I'm home, that was you. I'm home. So well, yeah. Sometimes I do shows, as and uh, I, sometimes I look at crime scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to find something to fill up your day. So then we're both at home, and you're like, "Sir Scapy, let me ask you this: Did you notice anything like, you know, weird about that crime scene?" And I was like, "Well, no, not really." Yeah, I was hope I was hoping you'd uh, find something, and then I could say, "Ah, I thought of that first. What? <laughs> I'd be hoping you would, like, uh, say, oh, yeah, this was really weird. And then I'd be like, ah, yes, I thought of it first. I really smiled. Well, I didn't notice nothing. Right, so I had to come up with something. I, but I should say, right, it's, cause I, it's like, I wasn't counting that there was dead people. Yeah, well, that was pretty easy to notice. Because that's weird. Most of the places I go don't have dead people. Yeah, they bury them in the ground and things like that, usually. Because yeah. otherwise, there's rotting dead people all over. But I was expecting them because they said it in the newspaper, so I was like, no, nothing weird. That's why I said Yeah, that. I know, I got it. That's why also I was expecting Okay, okay. So then you're like, yeah, well, you didn't notice nothing weird, but let me just tell you, the newspaper doesn't even know how bad this is because this is crazy. They're like, hey, we don't know why they did it, because if there was all this money here and nobody stole the money, so why did they kill the people if it wasn't for the zillion monies that were there? Well, as a detective, I know uh, it could be revenge. Well, no, this is you saying this. Oh, what? Right, right, right. So you're not saying revenge. You're saying they don't know why. You're just, oh, right. You're what? Just... They, don't, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. And also, everything was torn apart. Why was everything torn apart? They don't get it. They don't understand the answer. Well... Well, they're not as smart as me. I'm a really smart guy. That's what you said. Yeah, you're like, well, they don't get it because they don't know about what, why the answer is. But I know why the answer is. I just say no. Oh, because I, I did. I'm smart. And so then you said to me, so tell you what, Scapey, here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're just going to wait here, okay? And a dude is going to come by. And that dude probably didn't kill these people, okay? But he was probably involved. Oh, right. well, sometimes I went around in my house and wait for the crime to get solved by me. Well, yeah. So that's what you're doing now. You're like, this guy's gonna show up. Just so you know, a guy's gonna show up. He probably didn't do it. But, just in case, Scapey, 
take this gun. Now it gets exciting. Yeah, take this gun and then have a seat and we'll wait. Because if there's a crime, you can either, sometimes you snoop around the place, but sometimes you know I'm the great detective. They come and they'll find me. Well. Because I'm the greatest. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's right, but. So then you're like, okay, let's go over the facts of the case, Scapey, so I can explain to you how smart I am. Uh, there was people, oh, they all heard these voices, right? They all heard these two voices. One was a deep voice. Oh, oh God, my God, or whatever. And one uh-huh. was the screechy voice. Obviously, neither of them was the, the dead people. Duh. Right, right. Let's just first cross that after this. If you thought that... Well, dead people aren't able to talk. Yeah, if you thought they were the ones... No, that's not it. So, now let's think about what was weird about all the things that people said about the screechy voice, right? Right. And so I'm like, well, what was weird about it was everybody knew that the one dude was French, but then everybody else was like, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. And they didn't know. That was weird. And you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird, yeah. But that wasn't even the weirdest weird part. And I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The weirdest weird part is that even though they all disagreed, they all said a different language that they didn't know. That's right. It meant none of them recognized the language the other person was speaking. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Everybody was sure it wasn't their own language, but they didn't know what it was, so they all guessed. Oh, it, was- it had to be a language none of them knew, like uh, another language, like uh, Swahili. Well, no, that's what you, that is what you said. You were like, you said to me, this was you. Okay, saying to me, you were like... Okay, this was a long time ago. I don't remember the whole thing. Yeah, you you said to me, Scapey, you're probably going to say it was somebody from Asia or Africa, but it probably wasn't because there's not a hurry out of them around, so... Probably not. Well, yeah, it's a good idea when you're being a detective to say, like, oh, well, this is really well. It's weird. It can't be that. All right. Now, now, then you're like, okay, let's put that aside for a second. Let's put that aside for a second, Scapey. What about the room? It was locked from the inside and the out. How could the murderers have got out? We know they were in there because they, we heard them making those voices. But what, how, what? how could they have gotten out? Couldn't have been the doors. Do you know why? Number one, they were locked. Number two, the police were outside, so they would have seen them come out. That doesn't work. The police checked the walls for, like, secret passages. Guess what? None. So, obviously, that wasn't it. They didn't go up the chimney because only a cat could fit, and then I'm pretty confident it wasn't you you said to me. What, what? Good. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I wouldn't have my roommate be a murderer. Wait, wait, what do you mean you wouldn't have me be a, a murderer? No, I'd be like, if I was living with a murderer for my roommate, I'd be like, ah, no, get out of my house. I don't want to get murdered. Because if you was a murderer and I'm living right there, I'd be the most convenient uh, victim. Well, it wasn't me. Well, I know, so that's why I'm saying, like, if it was you, I'd be like, ah, no, don't live with me anymore. Okay, well, it wasn't me. I don't kill the mouse. I know, I know. So that's cool. But so basically, then what you did was you were like, so I listed off all the places it couldn't be, and all that's left is the windows. And I know we said the windows was impossible, but it's got to be the windows. So it doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, that was me being really smart because I was like, ah, uh, it can't be that, but uh, it's probably that anyway. Yeah. It- it was like, That's being a great detective. It's sometimes when you're a great detective, you have to take something that it can't be and just run with that. Yeah, you, it was like, sometimes things that are impossible, that's the, the real one. Right. Yeah. So, you're like, okay, there's two windows. Well, th- were they locked? Yes. Were they nailed shut? Yeah, there was a nail in it. But, here's the thing. If you think about it backwards and you say, well, there's a lady on the ground outside the window and all her bones were broke, guess what? She probably... 
got thrown out the window and all her bones broke when she hit the ground. Did you think of that? Yeah, I did. That's what I was telling you. Yeah, that's what you were telling me. Yeah. So you I did, did think of that. But yeah. I didn't think of that. Well, you're not as smart as I am. Well, okay, for now. So. Well, you could learn like a lot of stuff. Well, I'm learning a lot of stuff as you tell me this right now. So, what happens is you went, if I know that she was thrown out the window, then I know, even if it's impossible, that she had to get thrown out the window. So, let's look at the windows. Are they nailed? Yes, the real nail. But, are they really nailed? Maybe not. Well, let's try and check. Oh, it's a trick. Not- Well, yeah, of course it's a trick, uh, because it's gotta be something else. Not like a trick at wrist. No, it's a trick like a cow trick. Well, but that's a wrist. Anyway, look, the nail, if you pull the nail out of it a bit, whoop. All of a sudden, the window pops open with a spring. And then when it closes, the nail goes into place. And yeah, that was really smart. I was like, oh, yeah. she fell out the window, but it was locked up. There must be a way to open the window. Exact, exact. And so then the question was, so how did they get in? Well, let's look. Maybe the same way. Did you think of that? If the window was open, let's look. Could they... Oh, there's a weather vane. Did they climb the weather vane? Maybe. But then it's such a long jump. How could they jump that far? Well, they jumped to the shutters and they held on and then they climbed the shutters into the window and then they were in the room. But... Yeah, that's all uh, detective stuff. Yeah, detective stuff. But you're like, I just want to point out, Scapey, that you have to be really athletic to do that. Like, you gotta be like a really good jumper. To do that. Yeah, yeah, you do. So, and, and, and I know you're thinking, well, that's a reason that maybe this is not right. No, it's right. I'm definitely right, you said. I was. I was really smart. But I just want you to keep in mind how great you have to be at jumping. Just, you know, put a little bookmark there. Totally. I mean, I'm, I know it. I was the one explaining. So, now, Scapey, let me ask you this. Do you think you get it? And I was like, wow. I don't know, somebody jumped in the window. <laughs> well, they did all these things, you know, and they were screaming weird language. I mean, I kind of get it. So you said to me, okay, who do you think did it? And I was like, well, sounds like a crazy person did it. Because that's our explanation for them being like, I'm jumping in the window. That's crazy person talk. And you're like, oh, Scapey, that's, that's cute. But I mean, come on. Sometimes when you're really spout, you get to be condescending a little bit. That's not quite right, you said. Yeah, you were just like, what if I showed you this? What if I showed you this uh, hair that was being held onto by the dead persons? What do you think about this? And I'm like, what the? That's not a, that's not a human hair. That doesn't smell like a human hair at all. What? I uh, must have been smelled and smelled it. Yeah, and, and you're like, yeah, I didn't say it was a human hair. I just said it was a hair. So what do you think of that? I'm like, well, I don't know what to think of that. And then you said, and look at this. This is a drawing of the, the handprint on the, the lady's neck. Why don't you put your hand on that and see if it matches? And I'm like, well, okay. And I put my hand on. <sighs> but like, to pretend I had like a person hand instead of a cat hand. All right. Okay. So I've got a person hand and I put my person hand on there and I'm like, this doesn't match a person hand at all. But it, just so you know, it doesn't match a cat hand either. All right, uh, so that's fine. Uh, so it's another kind of hand. Yeah, it's not a person hand. It's not a cat hand. What is it? And so goes, we're probably getting to it some kind of animal or something. Well, that's the thing. You were like, uh, now, Scapey, why don't you read this description of an orangutan hand? And I was like, okay. Uh, orangutan hand. Oh, my God, it looks just like the hand that you just put. The drawing. Also, the description mentions the fur, and it's the same as the hair. You just, it's the same. Oh my goodness. Uh, is it, does this mean, does this mean? And you're like, yeah. 
yeah, I'm pretty sure that what happened was a dude had an orangutan and was like, accidentally let it go and then it killed a bunch of people. If they had asked me, great detective, I'd be like, hey guys, orangutan, and you know what? Uh, maybe that's a little out of left field or something, but it ended up being right, and that ended up looking really cool, because I'm like, orangutan, and who would think of that? Well, you, but you only thought of it because it was what happened. All right, I mean, eventually, this time, yeah, I thought of it because it was what happened. So, yeah. And that was really cool. It was, like, really out there, and I thought of it, and then it turned out that that was true. Well, hold on, it's the story now. So you were like, yeah, probably a French dude has an orangutan. That's why he was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, because it was he was talking about his orangutan. And the orangutan jumped up. Anyway, that, that's what you said. And then you said, hey, Scapey, look at this in the newspaper. And there was a video I had in the newspaper that was like, hey, everybody, uh, I found an orangutan. Does anybody want it? Was it yours? Come on over to my house and you can get it. And it was our address. I was like, did you put that in the newspaper? And you were like, yeah, 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 I did, I did. And that's who... I like playing around with newspapers. Yeah, and you were like, that's who we're waiting for. That's the guy. And so, all of a sudden, we hear a knock, 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 on the door, knock. Hey, I've got... Can I get my orangutan? And you're like, come on in, come on in. And the guy comes in, and he's like, so... You got my orangutan, and I was, and you were like, yeah. And I'm gonna give it back to you. No troubles, no troubles. All you got to do is tell me about the murders at the Rue Morgue. <sighs> and you pulled out the gun, and he was like, yeah, how did you know? And you're like, I am because I'm because I'm pretty smart. And then he was like, oh man, I didn't mean to. I didn't want my orangutan to kill nobody, but it was too late. And then I like, it's just like you were imagining it before. Even though I wasn't here, I'm not gonna say it again. Basically, like you said it, it went up and da 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 da. And I'm sometimes sad about the, it. Sometimes the cops are not so happy when I pull guns on people when I solve the case. Well, this guy was just like crying because he was like, I feel terrible. And well, he should have, he was a killer. And he, he happened to walk to the house of the greatest detective. No, he didn't kill. Anybody? He just had a random time. Well, he was like the associate kid out. No, you. No. Even you are like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. You're like, I know you didn't do it, but you have to. But come. he, like, adds the orangutan. Yeah, but you're not guilty, you said. You're not even guilty. You could have stole all the money, but you didn't. So you're yeah, a pretty but good guy. If I find the killer. Well, you didn't. You found the killer's owner. Yeah, well, it's close to the killer. Yeah. Look, it's not a big deal. The point is, you brought him to the police, and the police were like, what's this? This the killer? And you're like, no, it's not the killer, but just listen to his story. He feels really bad. You'll feel better about things if you just let him get it out, you know, just let him cry it out, okay? And, and they were like, we should have called you in the first place. Well, they didn't say that. Yo, the, they were thinking it. Well... Nobody, nobody knows what they were saying, but what happened was the orangutan did it. The end. That's right. Another case closed, solved by me. I even went to the crime scene and snooped around. Well, that's pretty much all you did. Well, yeah, that's what I did, uh, because I'm the, the detective, and I went to detective. You read the newspaper. Yeah, I, I read the newspaper. That's how I, f I found out about it. And then you went there, and you looked for a minute, and then it was it. That was it. You just pretty much, you were done. That was all I needed. I'm super smart. Yeah, well, hey, I'm not arguing. You solved the case. Yeah. So, so that's why right. I sit around, and sometimes I find cases to solve. But you didn't get any monies. Well, no, but uh, I should have. I'm just saying, like, Sherlock Holmes does it because people pay him money. Sherlock Holmes is a pants. No, he's a good detective. He, no, he, he's a crapo. 
No, he's pretty good, dude. Did you know he fought a vampire? He did not fight a vampire. He wasted his time and he was like, oh, he solved the case because he was like, oh, you're not a vampire. Oh, sorry, he, like, he fought a demon dog. No, that was not a dog even. That was not a demon. It was a dog with paint. He was like, oh, there's a dog and paint on it. Look, there's a painted dog. I'm a great detective. Ah, crap. I don't want to fight a dog anyway, so. What? So you can let Sherlock Holmes play with dogs and sick people and he can be like a doctor or a vet or something and I can be the detective. I am the great detective. You go out in the street, you say somebody, who is the great detective? They'll say, see, I go to pass. I think they would say Batman. Nobody even knows who Batman is. He's a guy in a mask. That could be, that could be me. Are you Batman? Maybe. I'm Batman. Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe I am. I thought it was Bruce Wayne. Uh, the rich guy, Bruce Wayne, the famous rich guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, theory, actually. Well, maybe it's... So listen, here's what we do. If there is a, a, a dog, you call Sherlock Holmes. If it's a monkey, you call you. And if no, it's, if it's a mystery, you call me. You call C. August Dupin. Well, if a mystery, you could call Batman. No, it's, you don't call Batman. You have to have a spotlight for Batman. You just call me. I'll probably at home and I can come solve it. Nobody called you. It sounds like the best way to get you involved is to put it in the newspaper. That's also a good way because I always read the newspaper. I'm at home. I don't have a lot to do. I read the newspaper. Nowadays, you probably just do the crossword. I do the crossword too, also, and the Sudoku, and I read the uh, stories, and I read the comics, and well, then sometimes when it's over, I, I use the internet, and I, I watch TV. What about the jumble? I do the jumble also. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes good. I buy like a book of jumbles or a book of crosswords. Sometimes you could so. just look at the picture and get the, the answer. Yeah, I, sometimes I do that. Yeah, you don't even have to do the puzzle. <laughs> well, I'm really smart, so I don't, I mean, I do the puzzle, but okay. I'm, I, what I'm saying is they could have called me and I'd be like, I'll put down the paper now and go solve the case. Well, they didn't. So you got no money. Well, no, but next time they will. They'll call me. They should call me. Is there more stories? Yes, there's three more stories. Two more stories of three. Well, I solved the case. You have you have only three stories. There's uh, three three great stories where I solved the case. Do you know how many Batman has? Do you know? How many Bat? Yeah, well, a lot. I, I I've yeah. read a lot of this. Batman. Well, if we start at three, then we could be like. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, because Batman spends as people writing a lot of stories about him. I don't yeah, have that. That's I'm right. too busy. I'm too busy to write stories uh, solving crimes. And you didn't write the story. A Graham Poe wrote the story. Yeah, well, he was busy dying of drinking and marrying little girls. Well, somebody's gotta. No, somebody's not gotta. That's wrong. That's well, he did it. Look. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What the point is, there's a scary moral to the story. The moral is, if you think there's a murder going to happen or happen, you call the great detective and he solves it for you. Wait, 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 wait. If you think there's a murder going to happen, call a detective? Yeah, so I can stop the murders or wait for it to happen or kneel the crime scene and then solve it. Then you're going to get killed. No, I won't get killed. I'll, I'll keep my white bears for a while and then when they kill the person, I'll come and... Dude, I you want to save the person? Then if you want the person saved, you call a cop or something. I'm there to solve it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to call cops then, because you don't help none. I'm a detective, not a saving person. Yeah, it was your idea. All right, all right. If the moral is... No, look, that's not even the moral, dude. I, that's not even the regular moral, but I'm talking about the scary moral. The scary 
moral is the police are dumber than I am. Watch out. If you get murdered, they might not solve it so good. No, that's that's a terrible moral because that's a moral for dead people. Well, that's scary. Dead people are scary. Yeah, if the moral is dead people, then that's scary. But if it's for dead people, the dead people are like, I'm not scared, I'm dead. De- dead people is not a moral. That's just like an adjective and a noun. Yeah, but... That's not even more. Yeah, and it's still scarier than what you said. So well, he- okay. Here's the real scary moral. Animals can kill you. Well, they can. Yeah, this, yeah. Well, that's right. That, the right and people- if they do, you need the great detective to solve it. Well, except if it's dark. But a lot of people didn't know that. That's why when they went to do this mystery, they were like, well, couldn't be an animal. And then you Look, I like, can yeah, solve dog, dog cases, too. I've never seen just, it. I can do it. Uh, get me one, and I'll solve it. Okay. That one you just know about because you read Sherlock Holmes. I read that, too, and it was fine. It was, oh, look, it's got paint on it. Yeah, big deal. I could do that. Well, you didn't. Yeah, but I could have. I was no. not in England. I, I mean... In French, and so I was at home, and they should have called me, and I would come over. She says so. Yeah, I would have. I would solve it better. Okay. And I would solve the vampire one. Yeah. Okay. You just said there was no vampires earlier. No, today. it was a fake vampire. It was a sick person, and I would say, "Oh, look, you're coughing all the time. You're sick." I'm not sick. No, I would say that, and I would solve it faster than that. So like I do. I don't believe it. I would. I bet I'll. I'm he has out. a bike of zillion stories too. You have three. Yeah, that means I have solved at least three. Yeah, that's not very many, dude. Yeah, but I j- that's just the ones that they're stories of. Uh-huh. Should we do another one of your stories? Yeah, yeah. They're they're all great. They'll, you'll see another one. I solve the case. I'm really smart. All right, maybe we will do another one then. What is the it next, for me? I, Come on this show, and I'm really cool, and I'm smart. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Okay. Cat food? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next time on Scaby Stories, uh, another one of these ones with this guy. Marie Roger. You're not Marie Roger. No, no, no. That's the name of the story, the mystery. Marie Roger. If you say so. Hey everybody, we're back, and that was a good episode, but we do have some things that we wanted to talk about, uh, mostly based on the Where Are They Now in History that played all before all that. Yes, of course I did. I just wanted to point out that, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Mr. Sinclair, you won't be going along with Mr. Sinjin, uh, by which I mean my former crazy idea that, uh, you offer a reward for anyone to kill me on sight. Well, I mean, Rory was, you know, my, my good friend, and it was his one of his final requests. Oh, sure, sure. But, of course, uh, you'd be considered an accomplice in murder uh, if you did that. Well, I mean, n- you're right. So, of course, I could not offer that reward, um, you know, above the, the table or anything like that. Or, or under the table, because if you did it under the table, people, I'm sure the police will trace it. Well, you know, the, people have ways, you know, forged documents and all. So you're saying you're going to give person money to kill me? No, of course, I would never. I would never do anything like that, ever. I would never do anything. Like that. The implication being you would. No, 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 no. I don't know where you're getting an implication. The way you said that with the words all spaced out mysterious, and I, I, I was able to read into it that you were offering people money to kill me. No, I, I'm not doing that. That was something that you said. You are Rory Sinjin. You told people to kill you if you ever changed your opinion. No, well, that is not exactly what I said. But like I said, I was going through something in my life. I was having a very traumatic experience. I was uh, feeling very insecure and like I was not sure of who I was anymore. And I said to myself, well, it, it 
if I ever come to a place where I realize that what I believe is false, uh, then perhaps I would be better if I didn't exist. Now, of course, I regret that decision, and I wish I had never recorded that, and I wish you had never played it, and by playing it, you may have, in fact, done something illegal. No, I do think I did. I mean, you asked me to play these things when you recorded them, and by you, I mean you, Rory Sinjin, not you, Rory Edison, because you're not the same person, you've changed. Right, of course I have changed, and that's why I'm saying I would appreciate it if you don't air any more of the early now in histories I've recorded. But you didn't record them! You didn't record them! I know you didn't! Because Rory Sinjin recorded them, and you are not Rory Sinjin. In many ways, I am. But not in any of the ways that anyone recognizes. Because you look different, and you sound different, and you think different. So in what way are you the same? In kind of an intangible way that is more spiritual in nature. I have his essence and soul. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to hear any soul talk. Well, I mean, that's why I am Rory Sinjin, because I have his spirit inside no, 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 me. Okay, whoa, whoa. I thought it was a science thing. You can't be a spirit of Rory Sinjin. Well, why not? I don't understand. I have his soul inside my body. Okay, all right. Right. This is getting fishy. There's no such thing as a soul. But, uh, I mean, there, there, there has to be. That is what makes me Rory instead of just a, a thing, a lifeless thing that was created in a lab. Well, you said it, not me. Well, well, well hold on. Are you saying I die? Are you saying that I don't? I don't have Rory's soul inside of me? Well, no, like I said, there's no such thing as a soul. I mean, none of us has a I don't have a soul inside me. He doesn't have a soul in him. So then there's nothing that gives us meaning in this world? No, the world gives itself meaning. No, I, who am I? What am I? I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't know. That's something you have to answer for yourself. You said you were Rory Sinjin. No, I said I'm Rory Edison. Rory Edison. Rory Sinjin fixed. Rory Sinjin better. Rory Sinjin to the next level. I don't want to say 2.0, because I, even I know that got old. Well, I appreciate that. But Rory, like Rory Sinjin 5.17. So I'm like the fifth version. No, we got it. We got it. I, that's not a better metaphor. Fine, fine. I, I, I'm like Rory Sinjin, uh, uh, like remastered. You know, like you ever, you ever get a, an album from the 70s and like they went back in and they scrubbed it and they, you know, re-released it and it sounds more beautiful than ever before. Yes, but they didn't change the notes, you know? Well, it's like, Okay, so then I'm like Rory Sinjin Special Edition, like, you know, like Star Wars Special Edition. Oh, hey, that's come cool. on, that's get out form. of here with that. Please. Special Editions were cool. They had, okay, what about the, they had the Wampa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cloud City looked so much better with all the, you could see the clouds on the vistas. Yeah, but please, with the Jabba scene in the episode four was ridiculous. It didn't look any better on the DVD or Blu-ray. Nobody kept tinkering with it, didn't it? Oh, yeah, but okay, guys, so that, well, okay, well, and then... Maybe there is no place for me here. Maybe, maybe I'm not needed here. Oh come on now, don't you know? Don't get all sad. No, I mean it sounds like you don't really like me and the kind of ghost of my former. No, there's self. no such thing as ghosts either. I, I was talking metaphorically, like the, the you know the the past presence of my former self that hangs heavily on the show doesn't like who I am either, and you know that makes me uncomfortable. And you know maybe I just. Maybe I shouldn't be a part of this show anymore. Oh, come on, Rory, you don't have to be that way. Well, you didn't have to be that other way, but you are. Well, we didn't mean to hurt your feelings. No, you just wanted someone to murder me. No, that was Rory wanted that, but, you know, he was a good friend of mine, so... I think I... I, I think I better go. All right, well, we'll see you next time. No, I, I, I think perhaps it's best if I take my leave of absence completely from this podcast. I, I appreciate that you had me on this podcast, and I'm sure my father, Thomas Alva Edison, appreciates that you had me on this podcast as well, but... Sometimes the best laid plans of even Thomas Alva Edison can go awry. He did he did electrocute an elephant one time. Well, no, that that was according to plan. Oh. But I'm saying perhaps in this case, he made you something that was too perfect for you, and, and you're not ready to have such wonder on your podcast. 
perhaps I should have my own podcast, or perhaps I should have my own podcast network. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll go start that. For now, just know that I was made to be part of this show, and the show will never be the same without me. Is that supposed to comfort us, or? No, I, it was kind of like a curse, really. Curse beyond you. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe in curses. All right. All right, well, be seeing you. No, that's my line. That's my line. You can't go out on that line. You, you, you can't. Okay. That was my line, guys. He, that's, I say that. Yes, but you took it from the prisoner. All right. So, okay. <sighs> guys, we have one more letter. And um, oddly enough, we have a lot of phone stuff going on in this episode. But uh, for this one, I, I want to I gotta call Frank back up because it's actually for him. So I'll put him on speaker. Hold on a sec. Hello? Frank. Hey, it's Jordan. Hi, Jordan. I'm, I'm in the lobby of uh, Roma, 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 and Roma. I'm waiting to be seen. I'm hopefully any minute now they'll let me in. Oh, that's that's great. No, I I, I wasn't calling about that. I, I'm calling because there's actually one more letter, uh, and it's for you, and I wanted to make sure to get it to you on this episode. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you probably have time. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Dear Mr. Sinjin, uh, meaning you. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Ms. Ponadelnik told me about your acceptance of the invitation to be the keynote speaker at our annual dinner, and I was very pleased. Let me tell you, it's going to be a very big event with a lot of famous faces there. I know you will do well with your speech. I know when I gave the keynote, I was a bundle of nerves, but everyone was pulling for me. Please get in touch as soon as possible so we could set a photo shoot date for the Frank Allen Gay Married and Proud advertising campaign. I'll also be setting you up on a series of promotional interviews on various members' programs. Excited to be working with you on this. Marcel Silvers, head of the Speakers Committee, the National Gay and Lesbian Radio and Television Professionals Country Club Association. Also host of Apple Watch, the Extraordinary Transmission Network. Hey, I didn't know Apple Watch got picked up by Extraordinary. That's great for them. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, Marcel Silvers, I am definitely proud to be gay married. I'm proud of the fact that I am, um, I, I'm proud of it because, you know, it, it, he, he, this, is a, this is me uh, taking hold of rights that I have. Uh, and, and, and making them my own. I'm currently in the process of waiting outside here to sue my, my gay husband, but um, that doesn't mean I'm any less proud of the fact that I have a gay husband to sue. Uh, I, of course, am a straight husband of a gay man, but I am gay married, so I'm going to be suing my way out of that gay marriage hopefully very soon. It'll probably be annulled. That being said, just because it's annulled doesn't mean I'm not proud it happened and proud of the money it's going to make me. So, I'm looking forward to this, uh, this thing, gay married and proud. Uh, that's probably a good slogan for it, but I, I mean, we might have to tweak it depending on exactly when it hits. You know, because I might not be gay married depending on when it hits. So, give me a buzz. Uh, we'll work out the deets. Thank you again. And um, I uh, look forward to hearing more from the NGLRTPCA uh, as we get closer to the event. It's going to be a good time for all. I look forward to meeting all those famous faces. I love meeting famous people. You know me. I'm a bit of a, a star, uh, you know, handshaker, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, thank you for writing to me. And, uh, yeah, let's do this. This is going to be great. Matthew, we'll see you now. Oh, great. Uh, i got to go. Actually, they're going to see me now. Okay. Uh, have a good one. Thanks. That was excellent. That was excellent. All right. Well, thank you all for writing into us, and uh, please write into us more. Castandwax at gmail.com. That's castandwax at gmail.com. Castandwax at gmail.com. You can write to us. It'll be great. Um, yeah, that's about it, right? I don't know what else we can talk about. All right, then. Uh, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Sounds good. It is good. All right. Uh, we'll be seeing you. Sounds familiar. No, it was my, but it's okay. It's my line. Be seeing you. Don't.
annoyed by the stiff and the bored because I'm gonna spit and retrieve because I get and receive because I wanna gonna get through your head what the mystery man said because I'm gonna hate to see I told you so alright Believe I told you so Now it's all I want you to do Cause I want it to Turn my back on the rock that's been playing in the plot Because I'm gonna No need for me to wait Because I wanna No need to three to wait Because I'm gonna Please gonna spread the disease because I wanna Call all the shots 